Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is three hours of the very best r slash entitled people stories of this year. Stepmom steals my dad away from me. This is going to be a pretty emotional story to write, but I need to let it out. I am a 17 year old male and this story takes place a few years ago. My dad got a new girlfriend in September of 2019. We thought this was great and everyone was happy because he was pretty lonely. When we met her, she was great. She was funny, like messing around and was just a nice person. On Thanksgiving of that year is when the first odd thing happened. She talked about how she just left her last husband because she didn't like him anymore. She fully left the States and didn't even divorce until she was forced to. On Christmas, we were all playing around with our presents as kids do, and she all of a sudden starts yelling at her kids for playing with our stuff, which was permitted to use, and started pulling them by the ear. This caught everyone off guard, and my mom told my dad that he might want to be careful with her. Then February came around and it was a normal weekend. Me, being the annoying big brother I am, decides to steal a skittle from my sister. I know this was a pretty rude thing to do, but I was joking around and I gave it right back. But my dad's new girlfriend starts yelling at me for how rude it was and how I should be nicer to her. This threw me way off guard. She started yelling because I took a skittle. She then sent me to the corner to stand on one leg and count to a hundred. This is extremely odd because no one else in our entire family gives physical punishments. Meanwhile, my dad is just standing there and my sister is trying to explain that it was fine. Later that night, I threw up and for a very, very long time, I thought I was just sick. It turns out that it was a reaction to a trauma I had when I was a baby where my bio parents starved me and my brothers and got us in trouble for eating. That's a story for another time. When I was being told about this, I also learned that since I was adopted, another story, my parents agreed that I would never receive punishment for food ever. This is why I threw up. My brain remembered the trauma and reacted to it. What made me mad is that my dad just stood there when he knew about this. After that event, we weren't told this at the time, but we didn't see them for a very long time. The story above was part of why. In August of 2021, we started to receive counseling, and in September, we started seeing our dad again. He promised he had changed, and that his now wife, our stepmom, was to not give punishment to me or my sister in any way. We started rebuilding our relationship, and for a month, it was good. Then, two days before Halloween, my brother gets sent to a psychological hospital for allegedly destroying the house and bad behavior. This was hard on us, but he'd been aggressive in the past and so it wasn't the hardest to believe. He got out on December 10th and was once again admitted on January 3rd. This was because he'd gotten very aggressive and angry when he found out he didn't get a PS5 for Christmas. Not a single person believed this though. During this period, his dog was taken and put down and he had been locked in his room for two weeks 
only allowed to leave for the bathroom. They then had student parent meetings. In this meeting, my entitled stepmom verbally admitted that they had locked him in his room. This immediately started a CPS investigation. During this time, he was once again admitted to the hospital. This time it was because, and I quote, punching my kids, threatening to kill everyone in the family, hit me and attacking our neighbor's dog. By this point, everyone knew my stepmom was crazy and we tried talking to my dad about it. His parents, his brother, his sister, us kids, my mum. I mean, everyone told him that he was being manipulated and she was crazy. He didn't believe any of it. While my brother was in the hospital, he told the doctors about everything that he'd really been through. When he was released, he said that he'd rather be in the hospital than go home with our stepmom and my dad. This is when he apparently started hitting the car and yelling at our stepmom. She would grab her boys by the ear and make them throw away their stuff if they got in trouble. My sister and mum were told every weekend that she needed better clothes and that my mum was mentally abusing us. Weirdly, I was treated amazingly and nice and I was never talked about badly. We were also gaslit all the time. When they went to court for the investigation, she claimed that I threw a plate at my sister and then every other accusation I've said above. In April, my dad ripped up and burned my brother's adoption paper. My mum had a copy, thankfully, and told him he wasn't allowed in the house anymore. He stayed at our house for a little and then we had a court hearing that gave him the right to live with my aunt. He got counseling and we started seeing each other again. My dad was told by the state and the trauma therapist that he was not allowed any of our information or to see us ever unless he agreed to get counseling, have our stepmom out of his life, and if we also agree. She got rid of my older sister, then worked on getting rid of my brother, starting with his dog. She then moved on to my other sister, and then she got caught, and they now live in Minnesota. My dad still believes that she's a good person and that we were in the wrong. I know I should dislike both my dad and my stepmom, but I can't get myself to hate my dad. He meant way too much to our lives. You know what, OP? I think your last sentence there is very, very telling indeed. It sounds to me like you know that your dad is a good person and perhaps your new stepmom has kind of just brainwashed him into doing things that he wouldn't normally do. It's hard for me to tell because obviously I'm not involved in the situation. Guys, what do you think? I think this woman just needs to get out of all of your lives and hopefully you can all heal your relationships together with this toxic cow gone. An entitled Karen tried to play the race card and forced me to break federal law so when i was 18 i was working at a call center that handled debit credit card fraud and identity theft related issues for a bank i have lots of fun stories but i'll never forget the time that some woman called me racist and accused me of discrimination just because i wouldn't break federal law for her a bit of background According to federal law, even if you open an account online, you have to provide documentation that proves your identity in order to prevent scammers and criminals from making fake accounts and messing everything up for the bank and the customers. This is a very basic summary of the law and I don't remember all the details, so this is the best explanation I have to summarize it for context. It also provides a way for the bank to identify someone posing as you should someone ever try to impersonate you. But that wasn't the main point. As much as I hated it, when we had people call in because their accounts were on hold due to not providing proof of identity, they always landed in my department because everyone just assumed it was an ITA issue, even though it wasn't. One night, I got a call from a lady who was very irate and already yelling when I got the call. One of the agents from a sister site had decided to cold transfer the abusive customer to my department because why not? And they never told her they were transferring her in the first place. 
great start to an already trashy call but it was about to get so much worse as soon as the lady heard me talking she was already spitting accusations of discrimination and racism saying that we were just putting her account on hold because she was a black woman who works hard for my money and your white supremacist organization don't like it i might be white but i've never been racist even though my family is i am happily engaged to a hispanic man and always remember to treat people out of respect because i really don't care about race drama i'm also an introvert with severe social anxiety so i don't really like being around people in general especially after being bullied all my life she immediately started saying that if i didn't unfreeze her accounts so that she could pay her bills she was going to sue me the agent from the other site the company everyone pretty much she even called me every name under the sun and started telling me that she thought white people should be slaves to blacks because of our past i'm not even going to comment on this one since my family is mostly irish and again i don't care about race drama i did everything i could to calm her down and i asked to put her on hold for a minute so i could review the accounts she told me i'd better hurry up and i put her on hold so i could see what was going on this woman had recently opened the accounts and never verified her identity with the bank using her documentation Again, it's federal law. And even if I did have the ability to unfreeze the accounts, I could have been fined hundreds of thousands of dollars and faced potential jail time. Now, say what you will about white people, but facing jail and fines that I could never afford was nowhere near worth proving I wasn't racist and had nothing to do with the issue in the first place. So when I got back on the phone, I started explaining the issue to the woman. And I even tried to help by asking if she'd sent in her documentation as requested by the bank. She actually calmed down a little and answered the follow-up questions I had in order to help her understand the situation a bit better. And I was able to locate the documentation she'd sent in. Here's the kicker. She had sent it just minutes before calling in and it was already outside of business hours on a Friday. I explained that I could see her documentation had arrived, but I had to explain that because she had sent her outside of regular business hours. It wouldn't reach the back office until the following business day and would then take another three to five business days to review. She again launched into this racist rant that I was just doing this because I saw she was black and must hate black people. Then she demanded to speak to a supervisor. At this point, my patience was worn out and I was desperate to get out of the situation. I called my manager over and was about to explain everything when the manager took my mouse from my hand and hung up on the customer. He informed me that he'd passed by and heard some racist slurs coming from my headset and jumped on to listen to the call to see what was going on, since I was usually pretty good about diffusing situations like this on my own. He told me that he was impressed that I hadn't hung up on her after the first set of slurs, but he told me that he refused to let me get yelled at like that again, especially when I was still trying to be nice to a racist Karen like that. As much as I hate to say it, the call didn't end there. Karen got a hold of an agent from the sister location and actually got them to unfreeze the accounts. On top of that, she got the agent to file a report against me and the agent even stated that I was the one who unfroze the accounts. Bottom line, corporate was out for blood. And because of that agent, they were then out for mine. My manager managed to convince them that I was innocent by playing the call back for the hire managers in the office. And I didn't find out until a few days later when corporate wanted to verify some information with me. I was left alone, but I decided that it would be better to start looking around for a new job, especially with the fact that I almost got hate crime charges pressed on me on top of charges for breaking federal law. 
If any of you guys watching have ever worked in a call center, let me know if I'm right or wrong here. But from my experience of reading posts like this, it seems that clients that call always think they can get away with being ruder than they would be in real life just because it's kind of anonymous, like you're on the phone, not face to face. I mean, thankfully, it's all recorded, but I don't see why people just go to these lengths and are so unbelievably toxic when there's no need. Homophobic entitled mum tries stealing my water bottle. I've posted on here before, but lo and behold, I encountered another one. It's not surprising to me that this has happened. I live in a red state and the part of my town that I live in is overwhelmingly upper middle-class conservatives. The kind of people who had Trump 2020 signs in their yard in March of 2021. You get the type. Now I'm a fairly active person. I'm at the gym regularly and I've never encountered anything like this. I'm also openly queer and the water bottle that I bring to the gym shows that. It has several stickers on it. Most of them bought off of Etsy or things that people have given me over the years. Most importantly for this story, I have a sticker that says trans rights on it that I bought when I came out a year and a half ago. Now my gym routine is simple, but part of it involves entering into these hallways that my gym has where people work on mats and do bodyweight exercises. I do my routine and i'm about to leave when i hear that all too familiar ahem from behind me now the hallway i'm in connects to the stairs so i assume this woman came up them without me seeing she is your stereotypical karen with obviously dyed blonde hair and a kid in tow this is unusual though like most gyms the gym i attend doesn't let kids use the equipment until a certain age for ours it's 11 to use them and 14 to use them unsupervised but this kid can't be more than eight. However, there's a classroom on this floor that teaches kids as well as adults, so I figure he's here for a class. She's wearing a shirt that says, no way vacay, which has nothing to do with the story, but I thought it was funny. I'm mostly confused as to why she's talking to me, to be honest. I turn to look at her and the following conversation ensues. Can I help you? This is a family place and I think you should keep that at home. What? She rolls her eyes. Don't play dumb. That, she points at my water bottle. It's unacceptable. What? It's worth noting at this point that although I am publicly out and use they them pronouns everywhere I go, I still present really feminine. In most cases, unless I introduce myself with my pronouns, people just assume I'm a really enthusiastic ally. There are many reasons for this, but most of them stem from my own insecurities about my physical appearance, so I won't get into them here. You're not even old enough to know if you're gay or not. Talk to me when you're an adult. And with that, she leaves. I thought that was the end of it, and I would leave with a funny story to tell my parents when I got home. But I was so very wrong. Also, worth noting before I get into the juicy part is that my 18th birthday is in less than two weeks. I'm almost legally an adult, so I definitely class myself as old enough to know. I'm pretty young, but I'm not like a preteen still figuring my sexuality and gender out. I'm sure about it. Anyways, after she leaves, I leave my stuff behind to go grab a wipe to clean my mat so I can put it back. Given the title of the post, I'm sure you see where this is going. I get back to my mat and my water bottle is gone. I panic obviously homophobia or transphobia i can deal with it says more about them than it says about me but i've got pretty severe anxiety and having any of my stuff touched moved taken or basically changed in any way is a huge no-no for me i put up my mat grab the rest of my stuff and head to find a staff member i walk back into the weight room and i spot her immediately 
and she's holding my water bottle She's standing next to her husband who is yelling something at the worker that sounds along the lines of my son should be able to use the machines Age restrictions for safety reasons be danged. Don't you know who I am? Yada yada. I walk over and tap karen on the shoulder She spins around and looks very smug to see me. Give me my water bottle back. It's my property You shouldn't have these things around my children We're a christian family and god said my mum is a priest mom I know a fair bit about what god says and I don't think he would approve of stealing And what does she say about these things you've plastered on your belongings? She bought me some of them. I need you to give me my water bottle back By now, the staff member that Ken was yelling at has noticed me. What's the problem here, ladies? She stole my water bottle, and I want it back. It's mine. Now, most of the gym staff have a vague idea of who I am. They don't know me by name or anything, but me, my dad, and his parents are all regulars at this gym. They do, however, still treat me as female. Eh, what you gonna do? I'm leaving for college in two months, so meh. Mom, you'll need to give her back her things, the staff member said. Karen looks fuming, but she doesn't actually object. She shoves the water bottle at me and walks off, leaving her husband and son to trail after her. I'm pretty visibly shaken. I hate confrontation, and I hate people taking my stuff even more. The worker gives me a brief, are you okay? And I say that I'm fine, just shaken. He nods and walks off to do his job. I leave the gym, pretty much too shaken to finish my workout, and tell my parents about it when I get home. Okay, now I just need to give some context to it. I've got nothing against religion, but it does always amuse me when people use their religious beliefs to enable them to do stuff like this, which is just illegal. For example, stealing. Like nowhere in the Bible has anyone ever said that stealing is allowed, have they? I mean, I've not read it all cover to cover. If you have, let me know. But I'm pretty sure that no one's ever said that. But no, because this water bottle has a positive trans message on it, now you're allowed to steal it. Make it make sense. Sad lady gets mad at fast food employees for one of them laughing. This just barely happened. And honestly, I cannot believe it. For those of you who don't know, I work at a fast food establishment that specializes in steak burgers and frozen custards. I'm working the drive-thru window along with my co-worker, Isabel. Fake name and on headsets. Now for context, my place of work believes that the employees should have some fun. So we tease each other and joke around. Anyway, Isabel was in the back joking around with another co-worker when a car comes through wanting to order some custard. When Isabel answers the headset, she's still laughing a bit. The people order and come around to the window. Before I can even begin to give them their total and accept their payments, this girl from the back of the car gets out and asks if I was the one on headsets. I told her no, and she proceeds to yell at me, telling me to ask my coworker, Isabel, what was so funny, why she was laughing while answering them at the speaker. I tell them she was probably laughing at something a coworker did or said, but she continues to yell at me. Here is everything word for word. Are you the one with the headsets? No, mom, that would be my coworker. Ask your coworker what is so funny that she's laughing while taking our order. Well, she was probably laughing at something a colleague did or said. It doesn't matter. I work in customer service and that is bad customer service. Mom, our managers actually like us to laugh and seem like we're- Oh, shut the heck up. When she told me to shut the heck up, I wanted to get my manager and have him refuse her service, but I didn't know where he was. But how sad do you have to be to be mad about a fast food employee laughing? You know what? If there's one thing that I now know that all Karens, 100% of Karens just despise 
it's people laughing. Their aim is to suck the joy out of every person in the world. And if you're laughing at work, where you're supposed to be 100% professional and never even enjoy a second of it, just sit there and be quiet and do your job. Then uh, yeah, it doesn't get any worse than that. I can't, I can't imagine having a good time at work. It just, it's just not allowed. I don't know about you guys, but when I go to a drive-through or a restaurant and the waiter or staff member is happy, I'd rather them be happy than just be sad and miserable. It seems pretty obvious, right? But hey, that's Karen's. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My mother turned my illness into a vehicle for her own social clouds. I am a 25-year-old woman. And when I tell people this story, they typically get extremely angry. But honestly, as someone who's kind of used to my mum's rubbish, I think it's pretty funny. About six months ago now, I had a life-changing surgery. After a year of debilitating symptoms and the threat of eventual, not sudden, death, I had a whole body part removed. Recovery has been rough, but I'm getting better every day. It's worth mentioning though, I suppose, that the reason why my illness got so bad is because it went untreated for nine years. I developed it in childhood, but my parents couldn't be bothered to take me to a doctor. I learned to live with it, and then it became life-threatening. Look, I love my parents, but they're flawed people. They did express guilt over the situation, but they ultimately justified it to themselves, even though the signs were pretty obvious that something was wrong. My mum especially, I guess, wanted to preserve her pride and image as a loving mother. And before my surgery, while I was still just trying to survive day to day, she made a support group for me. According to her, it was pretty active, full of people giving their condolences and words of encouragement for our family. But I wouldn't really know because I was never allowed to join. From what I can gather, it was a space for my mum to give updates on my condition, talk about what the family was going through, all of that. But really, she made the group to support herself, what she was going through, how hard my illness was on her, etc. For context, I don't even live with her. I didn't even want her visiting me in the hospital, and I lied to her about how many visitors I was allowed to have to stop her. She tried to step over the visitor I did want there, and I had to have the hospital keep away anyone who wasn't my chosen visitor to stop her. I did send her a picture of me, looking god-awful, giving a thumbs up when I was right out of surgery while high on painkillers, and that was a mistake. That photo made it into that support group without my permission. So like, God knows what else was posted there. Again, I was never even allowed to see it, so. My mother has always been self-centered. This isn't the first time she's used me as a prop for her own social clouts. I'm very used to it and getting better at practicing my boundaries with her. But I made an oopsies this time, clearly. Now, good news, guys. This story is only the beginning because we've actually got two more stories coming up from the same user about their own entitled parents. And let me tell you, if you thought that first one was bad, this mum just using her daughter's illness as a way to gain social clout, well, the next two are even worse. Parents accuse me of ruining Christmas every year. Now I wonder why I hate Christmas. I posted a story on here a little while ago and people seem to enjoy it. That's the one I just read. My parents bless their hearts because I do truly love them are full of entitled parents moments. 
Here is another one. One of my parents' many deep wounds is that because they grew up poor, they never got the magical sort of hallmark kind of Christmas they grew up seeing on TV. Fair. But unfortunately for my brother and I, who were raised upper middle class, that meant that our Christmases were more elaborate, vicarious, wish fulfillment, role-playing scenes than they were a holiday while I was growing up. Christmas had to be this perfect event, filmed and documented ad nauseum. We spent just as much as the evening before and the morning of posing for false family photos as we did anything else. There was more yelling and screaming that things go exactly as planned than those photos suggested, but back then I thought that was normal. The big sticking point every year was naturally the most vapid and consumerist part of the whole event, the presents. For context, I've always had one true passion my whole life. I've been drawing, sculpting, painting, and sewing since I was a very young kid. I work professionally full-time as an artist now. I still have my first sketchbook from when I was five years old, full of drawing of me trying to replicate the anime characters I watched on TV. And I never had enough supplies. I was always running out. As I got older, especially, I was desperate for more advanced and expensive tools, like resin casting and drawing tablets. My point being, there were clear and obvious choices for presents. I put almost nothing but art supplies and maybe a DS or a specific book on the Christmas list my mum asked for us to make for her every year. Only my mum had a very interesting gift-giving habit. Despite asking for Christmas lists, my mum would often get only one, maybe two things on them. She wanted the day to be a surprise, so she often just bought whatever she wanted. And when it came to buying gifts for me, her daughter, that often meant buying things she wanted. Things she would have liked when she was my age. Again, trying to vicariously get the childhood she wanted. Not only that, but my mum wanted to buy me things that she felt looked impressive to share online. Ah, there we go again. And art supplies weren't impressive to her. So she'd get me expensive jewelry and clothing, weird gadgets, extremely overpriced bathroom products for some reason, and then maybe a few cheap art tools or materials. Which, you know, is fine. I wasn't a greedy kid, and I appreciate the thought, of course. I didn't complain. But a polite thank you so much and a smile wasn't enough of a reaction for my parents. I guess I wasn't a very good actor and they could tell when I wasn't being genuine about liking something. They would start interrogating me immediately. Don't lie. Why don't you like it? What's wrong with it? I thought you'd like it. And then feeling backed into a corner, I'd be honest with them that I don't really like what they got me, even though I do appreciate the thoughts. That always led into, do you know how much I paid for that? I would have killed to get something that nice for Christmas. You're so spoiled. We grew up dirt poor, and you don't know what it's like to not get a Christmas at all, etc. I would end up feeling so guilty and ungrateful by the end of it, often locking myself in the bathroom or going into my room to cry after, which, like it was tradition, would prompt my dad to say to me every year, You ruin Christmas. Christmas to this day has become an unbelievably stressful time of year for me. I can't look through photos of particularly bad years without crying still. In my mid-teens, I developed what was basically a nervous reaction where I'd be holding back tears and fighting to keep myself calm from the dread and anxiety of just having to open presents. That made it worse because whether I liked what they got me or not, they interpreted it as me being difficult and snobby. So I'd guaranteed get yelled at and berated for hours afterwards. Christmas became nightmare ordeals prompting some of the worst fights I've ever had with my parents. Not really much to do with the gifts themselves, more so how I was never happy and how it was ruining it for the whole family. This was particularly embarrassing when it happened in front of extended family over the holiday. 
I got a reputation in the family for being a bratty teenage girl because my parents would trash talk me to them after the fight was over. It was degrading and humiliating. When I was 13, that was the first year I asked them just to not get presents at all for me. That I just wanted to enjoy the time of family, that that's what really mattered to me. I was thrown through a loop at the time when telling them this somehow made them anger at me. They always brought up money, how I wasn't appreciative of how much I have compared to when they were growing up. So I thought that this was the obvious solution. I thought the problem was that I had too much, obviously, and needed less. But they accused me of not wanting to participate in Christmas at all, even though I still wanted to celebrate the holiday with them. That made everything worse that year when Christmas did happen. Every single year, I begged them to just not buy me anything, that I was fine. That never worked, and it was like we were all cursed to relive the same dramatic fight over and over again, come December, without fail. They did the same thing to my brother, accused him of being ungrateful and spoiled, but he was always better at keeping his feelings on the inside. He didn't understand why I couldn't just stonewall it like he could. I felt so trashy about how every year, no matter how hard I tried, I'd crack and start crying. I'm now an adult, of course. I don't live with them anymore. I've asked them several times if they really even want me to come down and be there when they'll have a better time with just my brother. I tell them I can come down and see them every other day of the year, but as I ruin Christmas without fail, I shouldn't be there on the day itself for everyone's sake. They get offended by the idea, so I end up coming down. They are utterly befuddled as to why I despise Christmas as much as I do, when it's such a happy time of the year. I started telling them it's because I have a strong distaste for the consumerist aspect of it, which is true. But obviously, it also very much has to do with the association of shame, guilt, and humiliation. That seemed to have been the magic key, though. Because this year, finally, they agreed to not get me any presents. We compromised by them helping me get some new equipment for work, which was very generous of them, and I very much appreciate it. I love my fancy new work computer that can handle all my work applications much better than my old one. This last Christmas went pretty well because of that. They complained the whole time and acted like it was such a shame I didn't have anything to open on Christmas Day, but I felt much more at ease. I just kept reminding them how much I love my work computer. I feel like a weight has been lifted and that Christmases will be so much easier to manage now that presents aren't in the equation. Still though, they know I have nothing but negative feelings towards it and that I refuse to celebrate it with any of the partners I've had since the last thing I want to do is to bring that nightmare holiday into my relationship. Oh man, well that story is just really sad. If you can't enjoy Christmas, then what can you enjoy? I don't know about you guys, but for me, it is 100% my favorite time of the year. It's not even close, uh, genuinely. And I love Christmas Day, having the family around, you know, everyone's just in a good mood, chilling, opening presents, gifting, receiving. It's just good stuff. Don't take it like that, yeah? You weirdo. I know what you're thinking, you dirty little boy. Or maybe that's just me. Who knows? All I can say is, it is such a shame that it took your parents OP. I've lost my train of thought here, but I'm going to carry on. Such a long time to uh, realize that, that they were the ones that were ruining Christmas for you. And I love that eventually they gave you a work computer that you love. But it took, I don't know, how long? 20 plus years for them to understand that that's all you ever wanted. Just a gift that you could actually use that you asked for. Not in like a snobby way or a entitled way, but you don't want to get stuff that you don't want and you don't want them to just berate you for not liking it afterwards when you don't like it. I'm trying to read through your comments and see if you're saying that you prefer Christmases now or that you still don't like them. It seems that you like them a little bit more, but you're not still that keen on them. I reckon just sack it all off. 
I know they want you to be there and demand you to be there, but if you don't enjoy it, then just do something on your own with your partner or whatever. Like, you don't have to go to your family's Christmas. Obviously, it's nice if you like your family, but if they're like these people, then um, do your own thing. Now then, moving on to OP's third and final account so far of her entitled parents. Father calls me abusive for getting medical treatments. I'm just going to continue being an attention seeker since my stories about my parents do so well on this sub. Just a reminder, I'm sharing these stories because they're entertaining, not because I'm looking for sympathy. I'm already in therapy before anyone comments that. This one is fresh off the press as it just happened yesterday. My parents' favorite thing to accuse me of is being a manipulative liar, which is funny because I'm genuinely the world's worst liar. I'm too dumb to be good at it and I instantly get nervous and start stuttering just because of the sheer stress. I've always been more comfortable being honest, even when it's gotten me in trouble. It gets me in trouble a lot with my parents because they really don't like to be told what they don't want to hear. Those of you who may have read the first post I made on this sub, the first story I read in this episode, you might remember that my parents are, let's say, wary of modern medicine. They don't like mental health professionals of any kind They are selectively anti-vaxxers. Some they're okay with, some they're convinced will turn you inside out, depending on what articles reach them on Facebook. And they don't believe in certain kinds of treatments or procedures for various ideological reasons that are all very silly. Just to paint a picture, my mother has given me healing crystals more than once over various ailments I've went through. They're lucky my brother and I never got gravely ill as children. I was having a perfectly normal conversation with my mother on the phone yesterday when I accidentally let slip I had a consultation booked a week from now with a doctor. I hadn't mentioned it to my parents at all because it's one of those medical procedures they do not approve of. I still hadn't come up with a good lie as to why I was going back into surgery in a few months or so or how I could maybe explain it away. My mother, already ready to go off upon hearing this, asked me what for. I rolled a one on persuasion. I just couldn't come up with anything that would satisfy them on the spot. My mother is going off on me for lying. My father starts yelling in the background too. They start making threats to get me off of the family's insurance plan for wasting resources, which would suck because my meds are $350 a month. I just started a new job and my benefits won't kick in for another two months. I get off the phone with them. At lunch, I decide I'm just going to rip the bandage off then and there. I tell them over text the truth, that I knew they would react badly and that if they're going to really take me off the insurance plan to let me know as soon as possible so I can hop on Blue Cross. They call me a few hours later. My mum goes off, telling me that it's your choice, but you're hurting me by doing it and hurting me for lying about it. She's crying. I honestly wanted to just start laughing. My dad disagrees. He informs me that he feels that this is a family matter, that he wants me to come down to their house so that it can be discussed in person. My body, my health, a family matter. For context, I don't have a car. Their house is in another city in an area where if no one drives me, I'm trapped there. So I tell him no, that I only told them so there's no confusion as to why I'm going back in for surgery and this is the last time it's going to be brought up. That I refuse to talk about it further and I'm not stranding myself with them only to get cornered about it. That's the point in which my father drops the zinger. With all this lying and manipulating and you trying to tear the family apart like this, I feel like I'm being abused. Stunning. I got off the phone with them and have their contacts blocked for right now so I can focus on my job, which is the best job I've ever had, best paying, good benefits, and good work. I'm putting this in here as a reprieve. 
they'll get over it i'll start my application to blue cross just in case it will be cheaper than paying in full for my meds entitled dad threatens to kill three young girls over fish so i've been working retail for only about six months and i've had a few entitled people but this guy is by far the worst for context i am a 16 year old girl and i have a job at a local pet store The store is small and has only about eight employees. On this day, I was working the register with another girl who was 18 and my manager, 23, who was in the back. I had just clocked in and had to walk past the fish area where my manager was getting fish for this family, consisting of the entitled dad and entitled mum of the story, plus their two kids, probably around five and six. Before anything even happens, I get red flags from these people. Their cart is filled with fish supplies and a brand new tank. Anyone who knows anything about fish knows you can't buy a tank or accessories and fish on the same day because you need to cycle the tank for a few days first. We always tell customers this if they ask to buy fish. However, as my manager is getting them fish, I assume the little kid threw a fit and the parents just gave in, so I try my best to stay out of their way and just know I'll be returning some fish in a few days. Around the same time, an elderly man comes in wanting to return a harness. I tell him if he wants to exchange it, he can go get a different size and I'll do it in one transaction. He agrees and goes to find a new one. When he comes back a few minutes later, he walks up to my register just as the entitled family and their heap of fish items come around the corner. The elderly man most likely didn't see them and I start his transaction. I wouldn't have even known they were there had the entitled dad and entitled mum not started loudly groaning about people not being able to wait their turn in a line. I check out the old man and he goes to leave. As he's walking out, the entitled parents start loudly complaining again, throwing around curses and insults to see what would stick to the poor man. I start checking the people out as nicely as I can, keeping mostly quiet and avoiding eye contact in the hopes that I can finish the whole process quickly. The entitled parents are throwing stuff onto the counter with such force that I'm surprised nothing broke. The little brats keep handing me small things and saying, scan this now and do this one. I can't really fault the kids, but just from their tone, I can guess how their parents were raising them. Soon, the entitled dad gets sick of waiting and sends his family out to the car. I finally finish scanning everything and the total comes out to well over $300. The dad is looking very impatient now and I can tell he's on the brink of storming out. He puts in his card and pays, but when the transaction is done, my system closes it out. Confused, I check the transaction history nothing i call up my manager and explain the situation the entitled dad is looking very annoyed at this point and i'm starting to worry he might yell my manager calls up her boss to see what we should do the entitled dad shows that on his side his bank transaction says pending however on our side the transaction simply didn't happen after a long call with my boss in which the entitled dad keeps looking angrier and angrier my manager finally hangs up my manager then says to the dad so sir i'm sorry but it looks like i can't let you leave with the products this has happened before but the dad throws up his hands you know what screw this just screw it he pushes the car away and turns to my manager screw this door screw all of you screw it the man storms out and my manager is on the brink of tears she tells us that he'd get the money back and we'd just have to run it again but i guess he didn't want to wait the cashier behind me is also close to crying I'm just quiet and start to grab the cart of stuff to put away. Just then, 
the man storms back in at this point he's now screaming and if i don't get my freaking money back i'll freaking kill all of you he storms out again leaving my manager now sobbing and me shaking i turn to my co-worker behind me and go to say something when i catch movement out of the corner of my eye he's back again no i want all your freaking names i want to know your name and hers pointing to me and hers and i want to know who you were freaking talking to on the phone my manager is crying and trying her best to help the man she grabs some paper and starts to scribble stuff down while the entitled dad watches her intently i want to tell her not to give my name but i trust her so i stay quiet meanwhile a nurse from the urgent care clinic next door comes in and comes up to me she asks if everything is okay and i just shake my head no she stands next to me and the other cashier with her arms crossed staring at the man towering over my crying manager my manager once again calls my boss on the phone and pleads with her to tell her what to do she finally hangs up and tells the man she's sorry about what happened and he can just take the stuff and go suddenly it's like a switch was flipped he's all there's no need to cry and you've been so helpful he actually at one point grabbed her hand and told her it was okay and she didn't need to be upset Then he grabbed his car and started to leave. Oh, could I have a receipt in case anything happens? My manager at this point is trying not to completely break down. Sir, the transaction didn't go through. We don't have a receipt. So if they die, I'm just out of luck? I'm sorry, sir. I'm trying my best, but I really can't do anything. Have a nice day. She then runs off to the back, sobbing. The man then mumbles something about thanks for the help and quickly leaves with his free cart of supplies. I'm just glaring at this man while I can hear the cashier behind me also crying. After he leaves, the nurse asks if we're all okay. Of course, we're all terrified. She offers to call the police or send in some buff male nurses from next door to stand with us. We decline both and say we can't do much now. Our manager calls in help and leaves not 20 minutes after. The worst part is we have nothing on the man. We don't have his name, number, or even cameras. We all know we should have called the police, but at the time, we were scared he would have done something if we tried. As of yet, we haven't seen the man again, and I doubt we ever will. So, now you've heard my terrifying tale. Hopefully, I'll be starting a new job at Starbucks soon, so I doubt this is the last story I'll have of entitled parents. I don't know how people can work in customer service for years. Major respect to you guys. Thanks for reading. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I think you actually should have rang the police there. I know it's probably very scary and it sucks that that was the situation that you found yourself in. Three young women and one horribly enraged man. But at some point, you just got to do it. To be honest, I kind of think that he knew he didn't have $300 and it was all some sort of scam. And he was trying to just press you into getting away with it. Turning on the niceness at the end, just when you've already got what you wanted for free. It's just downright bullying, isn't it? It's as simple as that. And um, look, it's easy for me to say that you should have done more, but it's probably very scary in that situation overall just very sad that you had to go through that entitled mum beats autistic toddler to the swings for lunch today was hot by uk standards and my daughter adores the park the only perk of the heat in my opinion is she gets to play out more i'll start by saying she's three years old and is autistic she can't talk or follow instructions but i love encouraging her to do things outside and she loves swings school's back so parks aren't too busy during the day 
perfect. She knew we were going and she ran from the entrance to the swings, but it was surprisingly a bit busy. The swings were occupied, so I explained to her that other kids are on the swings and she needs to wait. She's not very patient at all and doesn't understand most things. She just knows that swings are awesome. There's only two swings, but nobody else is waiting, so we wait. We queue for several minutes and she's getting very frustrated now and begins to cry. But that's okay, the second swing frees up. Hooray, okay, let's go and swing, right? Uh, no. The mum that's pushing her kid on swing one, let's call her entitled mum one, snatches at that swing and glares at my daughter, then at me, before passing it over to someone who arrived much later than me. Let's call her entitled mum two. Now, I know swings are public, but this threw me a bit. Cues are sacred in Britain. Either way, I explained to my little girl that she has to wait again. By now, she's in tears all over. It's sad, but she doesn't understand and ultimately has to learn to be patient. So we wait. The entitled mums then stop swinging to slowly feed their children their lunch while they are sat in the swings. They keep looking at my daughter, gossiping and giggling. I'm not usually paranoid, but the amount they turned around to look at us both made me conscious we were a talking point. I tried to distract my girl in dozens of ways, but her autism is very intense and she wouldn't take any interest. She knows she isn't leaving without a swing or two. I don't pretend it's a condition that means she has any right over other children in a public space, I should clarify, hence the waiting and teaching. However, it is very visible and would have been apparent to anyone that she was autistic, not just bratty and spoiled. She twitches, stims, speaks only in hums, clicks and shrieks, and absolutely can't sit still. I love that for her. So I try and have the patience for both of us and help her redirect. Therefore, it hurts to feel like these entitled mums were testing a child who just wanted to play. I've never seen anyone feed a child that slowly, let alone feed two children on swings. Am I missing a hack? By the time their toddlers finish their entire lunches, they don't even swing. Thank God, poor bellies. They just move on. The second entitled mum sneers at me as I tell my girl she can play now, only to say, oh, were you waiting? Pity. They then laugh and walk off. It was bizarre. Sadly, my daughter was too worked up at that point to enjoy the park but we had a lovely picnic after I settled her. I know it's not the most entitled or shocking thing that's happened by far, but it was just exhausting to be around people like that and I needed to just let off some steam. Oh man, these two women are just the worst. It's so obvious that they knew. They just knew. It's written all over their faces and that snide remark at the end saying, oh, were you waiting? Like you're literally making fun of a mentally disabled child. How much lower in your life can you get from that point? Oh, disgusting. My racist stepmother thinks she's 100% English. I, 25 non-binary, have an entitled and outright abusive stepmother who is 61, who actually believes she's 100% English. I wish I was joking, but she's the classic racist village Karen who drinks too much pink gin, gets her hair dyed constantly to hide the gray hair coming in, and absolutely has to know all the gossip and everyone's business. To the point she constantly asked me what's come in the mail for me and invaded my room on the regular. Her voice is the god awful English Northwest country twang. If you know, you know. She's particularly nasty to me, having gaslit, manipulated, and at one point instigated a suicide attempt, as well as gotten me kicked out for a week. 
all for getting an undercut like I've always wanted. That was for the last bit. The rest is just normal for her. My dad is barely any better and he's a raging sexist, racist, and has severe anger management issues that culminate in me most often being the victim. He used to scream at nine-year-old me for being bad at maths, thinking it would make me do better. To this day, he still thinks it was a good idea. Spoiler alert, it wasn't because I had undiagnosed ADHD, which surprise surprise is somewhat common. From my research at least, correct me if I'm wrong, in families that have autism in their genetics. My younger brother and other connected relatives have this quite severely. To the point though, because my dad is a racist, she also shares her openly racist ideals. For instance, they both hate black people and they constantly use the one word white people should never say. They criticize the government, saying immigrants shouldn't be allowed in the country. They constantly trash on the very restaurants they buy their beloved Indian and Chinese takeout from. Seriously, if you hate them so much, why do you claim you love the food so much? And they absolutely despise anyone that isn't the same race as them. So you can imagine my mistake by implying that somewhere down the line, some of their family probably wasn't English because the UK is made up of a lot of people who sailed over to settle throughout history. The absolute outrage on their face. It was only matched by the indignance. No, because I'm 100% English. There aren't any foreigners in my family. Sure. Sure. I do tell her to STFU whenever possible about this or call her out about any racist BS. And because of this, she thinks I have an attitude. News just in, guys. Being an advocate for BLM, I attended many a protest because it's the right thing to do. And decent treatment of fellow human beings means that I have an attitude. There is a positive to all of this, though. And I didn't want to post my experiences until I had one because I'm a firm believer in positivity breeding more of it. I attended a fine art university in the UK for three years and chose to live in the dorms as much as possible. I went no contact as much as I was able and while some Christmases were absolutely awful being completely alone while I knew my family was feasting, I got to do it as my own identity. I came out to my dad about being non-binary over the phone. He accepted it, but barely. Cut and dyed my hair white as I always wanted. He specifically said I couldn't do that when I wasn't under his roof. Mark that one off as a mini mischievous compliance. I got to attend a pride parade for the first time and gain new friends. I found out that I actually do love pink. I just hate it when it's forced on me in two tight shirts with tacky slogans. And for the grand finale, as of the 17th of June, 2022, I got noticed that I can graduate and my application to move into a flat with my best friend has been approved. I'm 25 and despite having lived for three years away from home, I never felt free until this very moment. I don't have to go home anymore ever again. No more abuse or walking on eggshells, worrying that even the slightest noise will set my parents off into an argument. I have barely any belongings besides my PC and some clothes. A couple things to help with dorm life and I'm poor as heck. But you know, I'll take that any day over being a punching bag to my parents. I finally move in July 8th. Well, hey, that is wonderful news and fair play to you for getting out of that situation. I just can't get over the fact that this woman genuinely said she was 100% English. I don't think anyone in the world anymore is 100% anything. That's literally impossible. You're telling me that in the entire history of your family, 
spanning back generations, thousands of years perhaps. No one has ever lived in a country or been from a country outside of England. There's no way. Like, I'm sorry, but even if everyone in your family that you know of, who was alive or dead, whatever, is born in England, was born in England, you're still not 100% English because what about your massive amount of ancestors? Ah, oh, I don't know. It's a ridiculous argument, but I guess that's just the mind of a racist. Entitled mother refuses to pay damages after her son breaks a toilet seat at school. This story took place around two years ago at my old school. I recently remembered it after I found an article talking about the incidents. For context, at this time, the boys' bathrooms in our school weren't anchored correctly to the wall. So our principal put up signs on them to show they were out of order. This boy, we'll call him Dan, either didn't see the sign or overlooked it and stood up on the toilet seats causing it to break. This is where our entitled parents, Dan's mum, comes in. Dan sends his homeroom teacher a photo of the toilet seat, to which she forwards the image to Dan's mother, asking what to do. The messages were then leaked and went along the lines of this. The teacher says, Good evening. Dan broke the toilet seat. How is this going to be resolved? Good evening. I'll wait until he gets home and explains what happened. I will await the solution. If the situation calls for it, I will come to school tomorrow to settle this. But we aren't paying for anything. He said he didn't see the out of order sign on the door. The stool should have been locked. I don't consider this to be Dan's fault, rather the school's. Well, I think it's better if Dan owns up to his actions, accident or not. He broke the toilet seat, so either he or his parents pay for it. What if everyone were to break school property and blame it on the school? No, no, he has nothing to own up to, replied the entitled mum. It was the school's responsibility to close the stool. I'm interjecting here to say our school stools had no locking mechanism, so there's no way to do that. I will be coming to school tomorrow to settle this. I do not think children should own up to anything in these circumstances. I am a woman who owns up to her mistakes. I don't think these conditions are safe for my child. I'm interjecting again, but just so it's clear, Dan was 14 when this happened. Dan's mum showed up to school the next day. The details are unclear as I wasn't Dan's friend or classmate, so I heard anecdotal accounts from classmates who knew him. Apparently, his mum still refused to pay the school for the damages. In my country, we have a behavior grade system where students get a point deducted for causing major problems or for having too many absences without a given reason. This grade is very important, as you could not be allowed into certain high schools or universities if it's anything below a nine. The text resumed the next day. The same teacher said, Good evening. Seeing as you chose not to pay for the damages caused by Dan, his behavior grade will be lowered as per the school's rules. Good evening, replied the mum. That sounds like a threat and I don't enjoy it. I will come back to school tomorrow to speak to the principal. This is not a threat, but the consequences of the actions taken. If you wish to speak to the principal, you need to schedule an appointment. She did indeed show up again, demanding to speak to the principal and still refusing to pay. Dan did get his behavior grade lowered. Moral of the story, if your kid breaks something, don't blame it on his school. Now guys, before I even say anything on this story, first of all, I wanna see your comments. So don't cheat, don't edit your comments after I say what I'm gonna say. Get in the comments right now, pause the video if you have to, whatever, get in the comments and let me know. Do you overall agree with the story? Do you think this mum, Dan's mum, was entitled? Do you think Dan was in the wrong? Do you think that Dan's mum was in the wrong? And do you think that the teacher and the school and the principal were in the right and that Dan's mum or Dan should pay for the toilet? I wanna hear your thoughts first. My thoughts are as follows. First of all, 
Yeah, there was no reason to stand on the toilet. I mean, like you have to take some responsibility for that. There's no reason ever to stand on a toilet, is there? Like, I mean, you are. Look, he's 14 years old, but okay, that actively is wrong. He shouldn't have done that, and there should be some consequences. That I can understand. However, I feel like there's more going on here. You know, the school doesn't have working locks on the bathroom stalls. A kid can still go and use a toilet that's out of order, etc, etc. Like, it seems a bit weird, no? Because imagine this, if the kid had been hurt during all of this, I'm pretty sure that the school would have been liable. I don't know what country this takes place in, but in my country, the UK, the school 100% would have been liable. This, I think, is 100% on the school not maintaining its own, you know, utilities and not having proper safety standards. Like, it's up to them to make sure the school is safe for their students. Therefore, my overall point is that Dan's mum was completely in the right and the score in the wrong. I think she was absolutely fine saying what she said and I wouldn't have paid either. If my kid was involved like that, I wouldn't have paid. It's on the school. What do you reckon? Let me know in the comments down below. Look, before you have a go at me, remember this. The toilet isn't even anchored to the wall properly. And I get it. He shouldn't have stood on it. But still, they are lucky, the school, that the kid wasn't hurt. Just what I'm saying. What do you reckon? I think I know what happened to my brother. I'm trying to write this in a way so that no one will be able to research and find out who I am or my brother is But it's the internet and everyone's a super sleuth My brother went missing years ago and when I say missing I mean that his case was declared one of those creepy unsolved mysteries. It was on the news I distinctly remember my parents interviewing for the news in our living room. I think I know what happened to him I was very young when he went missing. I barely remember him but I do remember that I loved him a lot. He would pull me around our block in a wagon. Most kids his age didn't do that. The days before he disappeared, I remember him staying home and babysitting me. I stayed in my room and played Nintendo 64. Throughout the day, a guy came over. I remember him. He was older, almost our dad's age. My brother made me go into my room whenever I heard the doorbell. Later, after the guy left, my brother would ask me not to say anything about the guy. With my brain only being focused on video games and extra dessert at that age, I agreed. I didn't care, nor did I comprehend the gravity of the situation. The day before he disappeared, I remember the older guy coming over. I was in the kitchen and remember looking up and seeing him kiss my brother. They hugged. They didn't care that I saw them. The older guy waved at me and I waved back. Then I kept watching cartoons. I fell asleep on the couch and woke up to my brother whispering outside our front door, don't worry, he's asleep. The older guy said something I couldn't hear. Then my brother said something I couldn't make out. But I made out the words visit them or maybe he said visit him either way I know the word visit was in his sentence the man raised his voice and said no Then I heard plan and city then I fell asleep again the next morning the day he disappeared My parents were at work. My brother was acting very strangely I remember he kept checking the clock in the afternoon I remember him picking me up and asking me if I wanted to go in the wagon I was too hooked on Nintendo 64 and I said no. He almost begged me and I said no again. Then he told me he had to run to our neighbor's house for something. I don't even remember what he said. I just said okay. He reminded me to not open the door for anyone, only mum and dad. I shouted at him okay because Super Mario was getting on my freaking nerves and he wasn't helping. He gave me a hug and told me he loved me and left. He never came back. All these years, Decades later, and I think he was in love with that man. Well, I know he was. The memories randomly came flooding back to me earlier. I'm not quite sure why, but it's been taking over my thoughts lately. 
I can't sleep because I keep thinking about it I think my brother left with that man and they ran away together Or maybe something worse happened, but I don't think that's the case My freshman year of college, I was part of a sports team that got national recognition I remember my team's picture was on ESPN with our university's name A few days later, I got mail at my dorm It was a gift basket I thought it was from my parents, so I didn't read the card I threw it away immediately and ate what was in it, but it was nothing but candy Nerds, Jolly Ranchers, Tootsie Rolls and Hershey's Kisses I called my dad and thanked him for the gift basket And he said he didn't send one, neither did mum Then I got to thinking All of those candies were what I used to eat as a kid Literally all I ate for the earliest years of my life were those candies I tried to find the card, but I couldn't Then I began to think about how my brother would wheel me in the wagon to the gas station close to our house So that I could get candy after dinner Even though it was a punishable by death. No, no from mum. months later during christmas I got an unmarked christmas card. The only thing written on it was a smiley face since then I've heard nothing No one I know sent that card and i've never responded. I wonder every day if he's out there I've never told anyone this When the police asked me what happened that day I told them that he went to the neighbors because that's all I remembered Honestly, it destroyed my parents My mum became addicted to painkillers and my dad has had three extramarital affairs Which I know this tragedy is no way an excuse to cheat but it sure didn't help It has ruined our family and maybe my brother knows what he did Maybe he regrets it and knows he can't come back home But if I could see him today, I would just want to tell him that he is always welcome in my home I love you so much brother. We have so much catching up to do. Please come home, please Now that first post was originally posted in february of 2016 But just two months later in april we got our first update So then moving on to the next post and how about this for a title my parents kept my brother a secret from me It's 4 p.m. and i'm drunk. These past few weeks have been insane As you just saw my brother went missing a long time ago. I thought he ran away from home Long story short, I got in contact with some detectives that our family has known since my brother went missing When I started asking questions, they told me that my brother was no longer on any missing persons registry When I asked what that meant, they told me that he was removed per my parents request I asked my parents, my dad actually, and he ignored me My mum told me my brother is alive and okay as far as she knows They found my brother years ago, a very very long time ago And found out that he was living with another man He's gay and it disgusted my parents He tried reaching out to them. They told him they don't want anything to do with him and that I didn't remember him and wouldn't want to see him. I went ballistic. My parents weren't fazed by it. They sincerely hate my brother for who he is, for being gay. They kept him a secret from me all my freaking life. My brother missed the birth of his nephew. He missed my wedding, graduations, everything. Just because of my parents, they lied to me. I've been able to get a phone number and contact information from police officers My brother left it all open in case anyone from our family wanted to contact him I still can't work up the nerve to call him The address I have for him is across the freaking country But he's alive My brother is alive I'm drunk as frick right now because I can't deal with any of this I haven't talked to my parents in weeks And I never plan on speaking to them again Not for what they've done to me or my brother This is real and it happened It happened. It's happening right now. I don't know how to process this at all. 
My parents let me believe my brother was dead or kidnapped forever when in reality he just ran away and when he wanted to come back, they disowned him. I'm crying right now. How could you do that? Screw you, God. Screw you, Christians and Jesus. I don't even know. I'm so freaking... Oh, I'm sorry. All right, forgive OP if you will for his uh, blasphemous outburst there, but to be fair, I can understand it. Put yourself in his shoes. That is insane. He's just been told that his own brother, who he believed was dead for years, is still alive, and not only that, isn't a part of his life because of his parents. That is just mental. But as you can tell by the length of this episode, the story does not end there. Let's get into the second update. I met my brother that was missing. Here is an update for all of you. The day after I made my last post, I woke up and called into work. I told my wife, who is essentially my confidant, and I tell her everything, the entire story. She wasn't really surprised. She's not a fan of my parents much. But like many of you, she told me to call the number I was given for my brother immediately. She insisted on it. She took herself and my son out for a day together so that I could be alone to talk with him. I dialed the number about seven times before I actually pressed the call button. It started ringing and I hung up. Then I got frustrated at myself and called the number back. It rang and rang and I got a voicemail, but it was the automated voice, not anyone else's. I didn't leave a voicemail. I thought the whole thing was ridiculous. I called my wife and told her to come home and she refused until I talked to someone on the other end of that phone. About an hour of pacing and drinking two glasses of scotch at one o'clock in the afternoon, I called the number again. It rang three times. I panicked, I hung up, but this time the number was calling me back. I swear to whatever God above, I thought my heart was going to stop. I almost threw up right there. I answered the call. The first thing I heard on the other end of the line was a guy laughing in the background. There was wind on the phone. The person on the other end was outside and it was windy. Who is this? It was his voice. I knew that voice. It was my freaking brother. My brother who had been gone for my entire life. I covered my mouth with my shaking hands and just sat there. He kept asking me who it was. The guy in the background was trying to talk over him. He hung up on me. I called him back right away and he answered again. Me being a creepy ass, the first thing I said after decades of not seeing him and thinking he was dead, I blurted, I got your number. He asked me who I was and what I wanted. I said, it's me. There was a really long pause. I thought the call had dropped. Then I heard him tell someone to turn the radio down and roll the window up. The sound of wind stopped and then he asked me my name. I told him and he said that I was lying. I told him I got his number from the missing children's network and detectives. I heard him gasp. He asked me what color shoelaces he wore to a picnic when we were kids. And I remember my mum getting mad at his orange laces with blue shoes. It was the last time we were together as a family. I could tell he was crying. The first thing he asked me was, where are you? And I told him I lived a few hours away from home. Without hesitating, he told me, I'm coming. He went straight to the airport without any luggage, bought a plane ticket and flew straight to me. We stayed on the phone with each other the whole time. When he was walking through the gates, I knew who he was right away. He's middle-aged, salt and pepper hair, muscular. He looks just like our dad, only better. I know if I told him that, that would make him mad. I literally pushed an old lady out of the way and I just hugged him. He's about two inches taller than me. He was able to pick me up. He was crying, I was crying, I was having a breakdown. We went to a bar at the airport. He would not let me out of his sight. He kept holding onto my arm. He kept telling me how unreal it all was. 
He apologized to me. He kept crying, telling me he felt horrible. I told him to forget everything and tell me about his life. He's married. His husband is a doctor, a pediatric oncologist. They live in the Pacific Northwest. They have two children, girls, 12 and 8 years old. He works as a legal consultant and has his own firm. He has an amazing life. He told me that he thought I hated him and wanted nothing to do with him. We sat at the bar for hours, literal hours. I think we sat for about six hours before I begged him to come home and meet my wife. We got home and my wife was a mess. She hugged him and insisted he stay with us. At this point, his husband was going insane and kept calling him. He had no idea what was going on. He thought he'd eloped or something. It was crazy for a couple of days until everything was explained and out in the open. My son and my brother were like two peas in a pod. Honestly, I never wanted children. My son was an amazing accident, but I'm not good with kids. I'm always afraid I'm going to break them. But my brother is a pro. Kids love him. He stayed with us for two weeks. And in two weeks, everything about my life changed. His husband and two daughters flew in to stay with us. My brother-in-law and my two nieces, my family. They were my family. They are my family. My brother wants my wife and I to move, to be closer to him. My wife is on board. I work as a professor at a university and I've already started to send out feelers to see if there are any open positions. And I found one that is actually tenured and higher pay. I do not plan on forgiving my parents, but my brother still loves them. He went by the house and knocked on the door. My father shut the door in his face. My mother gave him a hug and told him to take care of himself. Then she shut him out. I can't forgive them for that. I have no reason to stay close to them. I want to be with my family. I want to make up for all the lost time. It's 2am right now and I'm drinking a tall glass of scotch and grading papers. My beautiful, wonderful, smart, amazing wife is asleep on the couch. She likes to watch me grade papers. My son is asleep in his room, cuddled up with all the stuffed animals his uncle brought him. And I'm here, so happy, so fulfilled, knowing that my family has grown and doubled in size so suddenly. My heart is happy. I am so happy right now, Reddit. I am so happy. And there we go, guys. Thankfully, this story does have a happy ending. It's just crazy to me that two people's homophobia can rip apart two brothers like this. It's genuinely insane. Look, it's great that they've reconvened after decades, but the lost time is just in the back of my head. That is mental. Your parents have cost you and your brother to lose decades worth of your relationship so unfairly just because they're homophobic. It's disgusting. But hey, nonetheless, at least you're back together right now and uh, you do have a relationship and your brother is alive after all. That's pretty insane. Now, before this story ends, thankfully, we have one final update from OP rounding off this entire post. This was posted in November of 2016. My new family and moving forwards. Everything in my life has changed in the last 10 months. Honestly, I don't even know what to say. I want to apologize for neglecting this account. I've been busy. I want to fill you all in on what's been going on in my life. I owe everyone who's messaged and commented that much at the very least. My wife, son, and myself have moved. Not exactly to the same region of the country as my brother and his family, but much closer to him. I got a new job teaching at a new university months ago. While it's not a tenure position, it gives me the option to do research, which is my favorite thing to do. My brother-in-law's family has had many interesting discussions with each other, trying to describe what has happened between my brother and I. They're a pretty open-minded and accepting family, so to hear what we've been through was absolutely shocking to them. My brother never told his husband the truth about his life, only that he didn't speak to his family anymore. 
Nevertheless, they welcomed me and my family with open arms when we came to visit. It was like we'd always been a part of their family. I feel content knowing that they are my family. So, when my brother ran away with his first boyfriend, he was verging on 18. He's elaborated and told me that the relationship with the man was abusive and when he tried to leave and return home, our parents wouldn't let him. So he was forced to stay with an abusive man because he had nowhere else to go until he moved away to college. This deepened my anger for my parents. But my brother, still to this day, has this ridiculous sense of hope and optimism. I love that about him because I do not have that. My brother and I are two very different people, but in a way that works well. We reflected on my teenage years and I filled him in on what happened with my life. My brother is very quiet and observant. He always watches before he intervenes. He's soft-spoken and gently objects when someone says something he disagrees with. He's patient, kind, and optimistic, as I've said. He has a very loving heart, so I think that's why he has an unrelenting faith in our parents. Me, on the other hand, I'm abrasive, impatient, and quick to jump to conclusions. My wife wanted to add about me. He also doesn't separate laundry, refuses to mop the floors, and can't properly change the oil. Wow, thanks wife. Despite being very different, we have this uncanny ability to be thinking the same thing. Even though we've been separated for several years, we can still give each other a look and know exactly what the other is plotting. My brother has been able to create a spectacular life for himself, all on his own. One thing I struggle with is knowing that he went through more than half of his life by himself putting himself through college and law school all alone the more he filled me in about the years away from our parents the more angry i became i severed communications with my parents months ago after the last time i posted on her and it's done wonders for my own mental health but then the election happened a few weeks ago remember guys this is all posted in 2016 to sum up in the next couple of paragraphs op explains his absolute detest at the election result which was of course donald trump becoming the president and how it affected his brother's family as well of course his brother and his partner are gay and op's wife is in fact a black woman and they were all devastated back to the story now the day after the election however i got a call from my mother i didn't answer it because i was in class but she left a voicemail and said she would like to talk at my earliest convenience i thought on it still enraged but i decided to call her back more out of curiosity than a desire to speak with her when we began our conversation she asked how i was doing my answers were short one worded she jumped right in and i could tell she was uncomfortable she apologized but she apologized only to me I wasn't phased by this. I told my mother that she should talk to my brother and unless she did that, then she need not call me anymore. I told my brother that our mother had called and apologized and the look on his face was pure happiness. I can't even begin to describe it to you all. It was as if all of his dreams had come true. My brother called our mother and she, to my surprise, picked up. They had a short conversation and my brother's happy glow had dimmed somewhat when he got off the phone. He told me that she said that given the election results, she had only wanted to speak to me. I guess alluding to the fact that I'm a white straight male, the normal son, in an effort to repair the family. And that we all, me, my mum and dad, not my brother, need each other now. She also went on to say that she does not approve of what my brother does, but she had read up on his lifestyle and recommended conversion therapy. My brother ended the call with a very gentle, I'm sorry, mum, but I can't do that. I love you. Good night. Oh my goodness. 
after all these decades, your parents still have these bigoted thoughts. It's unbelievable. I think my brother has been broken these last few weeks and the hope and optimism that naturally carries him through life has been eradicated. He's buried himself in work and ignores any discussion around our family. My wife is a counselor and she normally avoids counseling people she doesn't work with, but she's told me that the only thing I can do for my brother at this point is to be there for him and to never let him be alone again. Like I said before though, I have a tendency to lash out and be aggressive. Yesterday, while stewing on my own rage about my parents, I called my mother and when she answered, I just began screaming into the phone. I unleashed a lot of things and I remember crying while I did so because I was so enraged. I told her how much she hurt my brother, her son, and how she put his life in danger all for her ideology. I told her how unfair and upsetting it is that her and my dad would do this to their children, to my brother, how it's criminal and how they should be punished. When I finished screaming, I was going to hang up because she miraculously hadn't during my 10 minute tirade. But she cut in with a quiet, he sounds grown. My mother acknowledged my brother's existence with that short sentence. Then she went on with, I'm so sorry. Let me speak to him, okay? But I didn't. I hung up. Then I blocked her number. I don't know what she wanted to say, but I'm afraid it's something that could damage my brother further. We are currently staying with him for the Thanksgiving holiday. My view right now is this. My wife and my brother-in-law are sitting on the living room floor trying to assemble an Ikea shelf. My son is beside me watching cartoons and keeps telling his mother and uncle to shh and my brother is in the kitchen washing dishes. This is a life that people want to see destroyed, taken away, and converted. This is a life I am so grateful to have, and it's filled with people that this world is lucky to have on its surface. I haven't told my brother that our mum tried to call, and I don't want to. I don't think there's a point. I just want to spend as much time and energy as I can trying to love my brother, my family, my small little slice of bliss. This is my heaven. This is a life I will proudly defend against hate and intolerance and bigotry. I'm so lucky to have this life, these people, and this happiness, and I will never stop fighting for it. Mum tried to bring her toddler into a dispensary. So, I live in Illinois, and it's a legal rec state for weed. Our dispensaries are 21 plus, and do not allow children in no matter what. Well, today as I was pulling into the parking lots, I see this mum loading her toddler into a stroller and I thought it was odd. Kids should not be around weed. And even though you can't smoke at the dispensary, they have product on display and it smells like weed in there. Now to get into this place, you go through the front doors and you need to have your ID scanned to get into the actual sales floor. I went in and noticed the mum right behind me. So I held the door and she went in before me. Instantly, the security and the woman working the front desk tell this mum that she is unable to bring her child into the dispensary and the mum lost her head she started screaming that she is a single mum and has no one to watch her kid and just needs to get her weed but the staff will not budge she then exploded saying that if she can go into a grocery store to buy beer with her kid then she can come in here with him security shuts her down instantly and points at the sign that says everyone must be 21 plus to get in and no exceptions well mum of the year then just says fine i'll go leave him in the car this is when the front desk worker says that she is an off-duty cop and will call in that the mum left her child unattended in a hot car and the mum loses her head even more she starts trying to pull on the locked door to the sales floor and starts screaming swear words over and over Eventually, the front desk lady called the cops and a second security guard came out and escorted the woman to the parking lot. 
This is when I got the okay to go inside to make my purchase I was in there for maybe 10 minutes and when I came out mum of the year was being talked to by two cops in the lot Because I guess she did try and actually leave her kid in her hot car and come back inside without him My biggest problem with this woman is her taking out her anger on the staff They're not the ones that set the rules, right? They just have to abide by them If they are the ones that let this mum come into the weed dispensary with her toddler Something which is illegal and then someone else maybe their boss or law enforcement finds out They could literally lose their jobs. They're not gonna risk that for you. Are they? Hey, if anything It sounds like she could have just used the smoke to calm her down She was getting uh, pretty angry there for no real reason entitled mum steals and pawns her daughter's promise ring This just happened to my cousin and it's still a bit of an ongoing situation, but it's too crazy not to post. First of all, some background. So my cousin, who we'll call Kat, had received a beautiful promise ring from her boyfriend at the time. It had a real pearl in the center that was surrounded by mini diamonds, essentially close to the quality of an engagement ring. I can't remember the exact cost, but I want to say he saved at least $500 to $600 for it, as it was treated like a long-term engagement. Obviously, between the price and the sentiment behind it, that ring meant everything to cats, and not one time in their relationship did I ever see her not wearing it. The ring has even more meaning to it now, as the couple had to separate a few months ago due to personal issues on his side, but he told her to keep the ring on as a promise that he would return one day when everything was sorted. Now that that's out of the way, here is where the entitled mum of this story comes in. Kat's mum is a total leech of a woman who thinks everyone will bow down to her will. She refuses to work and essentially lives off of handouts from her family, but also demands to live a luxurious lifestyle. She's the type of woman who will beg for money to buy food, then turn around and waste it all at the casino. Should do whatever she can to get money and has recently restored to guilt tripping and apparently stealing So it was another cousin's birthday a few days ago and everyone came over for a pool party Kat had taken off her ring and left it on my dresser so that she could go swimming Only to come back and find it missing We tore the whole room apart looking for it in case it had fallen or maybe someone knocked it grabbing their clothes But the ring was nowhere to be found Kat was reasonably heartbroken and would not stop crying over the ring blaming herself for letting it out of her sights. At the time, we still thought it was lost, so I assured her it would turn up. Fast forward to today, and Kat's mum, the entitled mum, calls my mum and asks if she wants to go out, saying she just got a nice payout, so it would be her treats. This obviously didn't make sense, since the entitled mum doesn't work. So naturally, my mum questioned where she suddenly got all the money, to which she replied that she... Did a little spring cleaning it turns out she saw cat's ring on the dresser at the party took it and then pawned it for not even half the price it was originally worth just so she could have the money to go out and party i wasn't there when cat found out but apparently the events that occurred went as followed when cat angrily confronted her mother about why she took the ring she blew it off and just kept making excuses she kept saying that she needed the money because we're broke and that she deserved to have the ring since Kat had no use for it anymore now that she was single. Her entitled mum also argued that Kat was a child who doesn't deserve expensive items when you can't even appreciate them and that her mother's happiness should mean more to her than some dumb ring. She also got defensive and called her an ungrateful brat when she begged her to go and buy the ring back. At some point during the entitled mum's rant, Kat left and came to spend the night with us so she could calm down and figure everything out. Kat has literally spent the whole evening trying to get a hold of the pawn shop to see if she can get her ring back. And her entitled mum is messaging both me and my mum 
arguing that she did nothing wrong and that Kat is making a big deal out of nothing. My mum and I refuse to talk to the entitled mum until she not only apologizes, but also tries to get the ring back. It's bad enough stealing and selling your child's things, but the sentiment that ring holds will never be replaceable if she can't get it back. Yeah, simple solution here, in my opinion. Just file a police report for theft and tell your mother about it. Then she'll be forced to go back and try and find the ring at least. And also if you do it quickly enough, and hopefully the pawn shop hasn't already, filing that police report means that pawn shop can't then sell it on so you have a better chance of getting it in the first place. It is mental that we're even having this discussion in the first place though, as I don't know how this entitled mum can think that she knows more about her daughter's relationship than her daughter. That is crazy. My entitled mother stole my heart meds to blackmail me. Strap in, this will be a long one. So this incident actually happened quite a few years ago and I feel like I'm finally at a point where I can post about it I'm hoping sharing it and hearing what you guys have to say about what happened will bring me some measure of closure and catharsis For some background, I, now 33 years old, non-binary, assigned female at birth, am disabled I was born with severe Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, a genetic disorder that, among many other symptoms affecting pretty much every bodily system, causes my joints to dislocate and sublux partially dislocates with very little prompting. I once dislocated my shoulder by flumping down onto my bed from a sitting position too roughly. Wow. I wasn't diagnosed until I was 17 years old because EDS wasn't well recognized by most doctors back in the early 2000s. Having abused me in every possible sense for my entire childhood already, my extremely narcissistic alcoholic mother, the entitled parent in this story, immediately saw my diagnosis as a whole new set of ways that she could hurt me. She would forcibly dislocate my joints as punishment for entirely imagined offenses, telling me that nobody would believe me if I told them she'd done it, and she'd tell them I was just a clumsy, lying little dog, which she'd already been branding me as for as long as I could remember. Her entitlement was and is deeply rooted in every aspect of her personality. She'd often stand over me, booming, as far as you're concerned, I am God. Everything under this roof is mine, my property. And that includes you and everything in your room. You don't freaking breathe without my say so. You bought it, don't give a dang, it's mine. And there isn't a bloody thing you can do about it because I am God. And she did that sober too. Yep, so entitled, she was basically delusional. My father was and remains such a pathetic excuse for a parent that I genuinely almost forgot to mention him here. He constantly enabled her abuse, convinced us it was our fault that she was abusing us and actively prevented my younger sister and me from getting help. When I was 24 years old, I was finally able to move out of my parents' house, my sister having moved out a year or two earlier with the help and support of friends. I moved in with my best friend, but was still very much under my parents' control, psychologically. My mother would help me by picking up a particular heart medication for me from a hospital that was about 90 minutes away by bus, since I couldn't drive. She always made a massive fuss about it and what a huge favor she was doing for me, guilting me as much as she possibly could. At this point, I was so beaten down and small that I would apologize for everything. Like literally preface pretty much everything I said with, hi, um, I'm sorry, but, and end pretty much everything with, sorry again. I was a mess and nearly a decade after escaping that hellhole, I'm honestly still rebuilding my sense of self. 
On the day of the incident that's the focus of this story, we'd arranged for my entitled mum to pick up my meds and meet me at my local shopping mall, where I'd been getting a few grocery items to give me the meds and drive me home. One of her favourite things to do has always been to make people wait for her, presumably because it gives her a sense of power over others so I knew to expect her to be late. She'd already yelled at me over the phone that I had to be outside, standing at the curb in the car park when she pulled up, or she'd just keep driving, which wasn't a bluff because she'd done that before, just because I'd been sitting on a bench a few feet back when she arrived. God forbid anyone keep her waiting. So 10 minutes before the agreed upon time, I was standing at the curb, groceries bagged up and ready to go. As our meetup time passed, I had to sit down on the ground and it started raining. I should add here that being out in the cold and rain sends my chronic pain through the roof and can leave me unable to use my hands for days. So I was already annoyed at the situation, but I was also terrified of this monster of a woman. When she was 20 minutes late, I sent her a text, which took me a while because hands, asking how far away she was. I got a nasty reply saying she was on her way and I'd better be standing by the curb when she got there. I replied that I was sitting on the footpath in the rain, so to please not take too long. No reply. At 35 minutes late, I texted her again, saying I was cold, soaking wet and in a ton of pain, asking where the heck she was and what was taking so long. It was very unusual for me to be so direct with her. But being out of their house and with people who were working to build me back up, it had given me a new boldness. And I was in so much pain, I gave far less of a dang about the consequences than usual. I was trembling with anxiety as I sent it, but it still felt empowering. She called and screamed at me down the phone about how ungrateful I was, how she was going so far out of her way to do this massive favor for me, and that I'd be lucky if she showed up at all after I'd spoken to her like that. I pointed out that the favor is somewhat negated if you cause the person harm by screwing them around in the process. And she screamed some more abuse at me, told me I'd better be standing at the curb when she got there, that she was going to beat the living daylights out of me and hung up. We had two more rounds of this until she was over an hour late and finally i was done something in me finally snapped and i was just like f it after getting on the bus safely with my waterlogged shopping bags i used speech to text to send her a final text message saying that i was done playing her ridiculous games and was taking the bus home i told her it was completely unacceptable to demand that her disabled severely chronically ill daughter stay out in the freezing rain for well over an hour and that dad would get my meds from her and drop them off at my apartment i'd already asked him and let him know what the situation was i was a blubbering mess of delirious agony and anxiety when i got home and my flatmate had to take the next day off work to look after me. He'd agreed to act as my carer to help me escape my parents, and his work was extremely good about it. What a legend. In the aftermath, my entitled mum refused to give my dad the medication for me, saying that if I wanted it, I would have to come back begging for my forgiveness for being such an ungrateful little sh**. She had this whole rant about her, of course, going on about what an awful, nasty little female dog I was, etc. She even added in some ableist stuff about how they should have killed me at birth and saved themselves two decades of medical bills because I didn't deserve everything they'd done and sacrificed for me. What a woman. She literally demanded that I show up in person, get down on my knees and grovel. 
she thought she had total power over me by holding a crucial medication hostage she said a bunch of stuff about how i better comply with her demands before being without my meds made me too sick to be able to get on my knees or tough I wasn't getting them back at all The most bizarre part was that she genuinely seemed to believe that i'd wronged her and she was entitled not only to an apology from me For standing up for myself, I guess But to withhold my meds from me in order to force an apology out of me because she said she knew i'd never Give me what I was owed Otherwise, I went to the police station to try and get them to retrieve the obviously stolen meds good but was told that because I'd given the pharmacy authorization to allow my mum to collect and sign for my meds, it was legally hers to keep and there was nothing they could do. Notes, I live in Australia. I called the pharmacy and explained the whole situation to the extremely kind pharmacist who was able to organize a new prescription with my specialist through the hospital. And I had a friend who worked nearby pick it up for me. In the meantime, my dad broke 24 years of consistent spinelessness and lied to my entitled mum to scare her into handing over the original stolen meds, saying that I'd gone to the police, but that he convinced me to hold off so he could give her a chance to just hand them over without police involvement. It worked, and I ended up stocked up for an extra month, but the whole incident resulted in me finally cutting all contact with my entitled mum. When he dropped off the meds, my dad tried to convince me to make peace with my mum for his sake and said that by refusing to speak to her, I was being selfish because I must know how hard it would make things for him since he had to live with her. Still riding high on that wave of boldness, I told him he was being selfish by expecting me to continue to put up with her abuse as he always did any time I tried to stand up for myself with him He got super nasty and vindictive said some extremely hurtful deeply personal things and left as of a few years ago I've now cut contact with him as well I'm finally completely free of both of them and have a great relationship with my sister now that we're both adults and have a clearer perspective on how our parents parentified me and pitted us against one another as kids I have genuinely awesome people around me these days and still live with that same flatmate My dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness a little while back and doesn't have much time left Though i'm still not sure how I feel about that He finally left my entitled mum who after relying on him to manage her chaotic mess of a life for decades Is utterly failing to fend for herself She's well on her way towards ending up cold and alone, which is cathartic for me to know to be honest Pathologically entitled abusive people just deserve to have the people they abuse leave them It's that simple. If you've listened to this all the way through. Thank you getting this all out of my head has genuinely helped It's easy to kind of downplay and normalize crazy stuff that happens to you when it just sits in your mind for years Wow, and there we go leaving potentially the saddest story to last Well, in my opinion that was the saddest story of all three and to be fair I think the most tragic posts that I see on r slash entitled parents are the ones where children like this have literally been abused and neglected for their entire lives and it's not just one event that's happened and they realize at that moment how entitled a said person is it's when they realize that their entire lives have been completely changed and kind of ruined by people like those mentioned in this story like those entitled parents and they have to rebuild from the ground up really kind of 
destroying everything they thought was normal and understanding that actually my parents are just terrible people. I mean, not to say that she didn't realize that along the way. Clearly she did, OP that is. But having to reset your entire life, move out, move in with people that are actually good people and just go from the beginning again is incredibly hard. Fair play to you and your sister for, for getting out of this situation. And it's clear that your entire parents are just horrible people, right? They've split up with each other. Your mom's screwed. Your dad's not in a much better place, even besides the illness. And for you two, you and your sister to come out the better side of this fair play to you for doing that because i'm sure that a lot of people would not have been able to karen screams at me for banning her thieving son for context i work nights in a gas station about a week ago a couple of kids probably no more than 15 to 16 years old who are semi-regulars as in i've seen them a few times before but not enough to know them came in around 2 a.m and pulled a runner on me with around 30 dollars in drinks and snacks as i'm not allowed to chase shoplifters i do what's required and leave a note for my boss so she can pull the tapes and post the pictures for us so we can tell them to get out if they're ever stupid enough to come back you wouldn't believe how many thieves actually are in fact stupid enough to come back these two morons in particular well two days ago i'm working my only weekly day shift and who should walk in but my pair of thieves and who do they have with them one of their mothers i immediately buckle down and tell them they need to go now the following is how the conversation went so the two thieves walk in Uh uh-uh you two need to go right now the first boy said for what the second boy said we didn't even do anything you know exactly what you did and you're banned from the store you can leave on your own feet or leave with a police escort you choose they leave and go back to the car waiting for them at the pump from the window i can see them talking to the woman in the driver's seat gesturing and pointing she gets out of her car and storms into the store why the heck did you tell my son and his friend they can't be here mom they ran out with nearly 30 dollars in products we do not allow thievery and they're banned from the store you are welcome to come and get what they need but if they're seen on the property the police are going to be called no my son is not a thief how dare you get me a manager gladly she doesn't know my manager has less patience for customer rubbish than i do since the store isn't very big she's already heard this exchange from the office i bring her out and she says exactly what i did that's a bold-faced lie my son is a good boy you're targeting him and his friends for no reason you're welcome to come back and watch the tape for yourself says my manager karen says she'll do just that and once i have proof you're lying i'll be expecting this little slur for homosexual to be fired my manager brings karen into the office i accompany them being the assistant it's both part of my job and a joyful experience to watch karen's face fall when she finds out her good boy is actually a rotten thief my manager plays the tape and karen sees her son and his friend clearly identifiable as their only means of a disguise with their school track hoodies pulled up over their hair folks they had their freaking names on the back They were wearing those hoodies as they sat in the car waiting. The Karen was too stunned to speak at first, but eventually remembered how to Karen and stormed out shrieking that she'd be calling corporate. For what? Who knows? But she's calling anyway. Now you would think that no matter what this Karen had said or thought before, surely after seeing her son and his friend thieving on a camera in front of her, she'd have to change her mind. But no, she doubles down. And that is how you know she's an unbelievable Karen. Fair play to her. Entitled lady dislikes the Thanksgiving dinner we are providing. 
Some years ago, my wife and I organized a holiday assistance program for our church. In October, families register for the Thanksgiving and Christmas giveaways. Usually the Monday before Thanksgiving is when we distribute the Thanksgiving dinner. This included a turkey breast or turkey and all that was needed to make a Thanksgiving dinner. The amount of food was dependent upon family size. So the breakdown was something like this. One to two people, turkey breast with all the rest. These were four to five pounds of just turkey meats. Three to four people, a 10 to 12 pound turkey with all the rest. Five to six people, a 12 to 15 pound turkey with all the rest. You get the idea. So distribution day arrives and things are going well as we're going to move about 500 families through in four hours. I act as the gatekeeper. No one in the building without their appointment card and ID. Once in, they sign in with my wife and we bring them all they need as they walk down and head out another door. Somewhere in the middle of this time, my wife comes out to get me as we have a person who is not happy. I go in and there is Karen. She eyeballs me hard in disbelief. I'm not in uniform like normal. The conversation goes something like this. What seems to be the problem? I'm here to pick up the dinner for me and my husband. And this lady won't give us a turkey. Note that she sort of sneered with the word lady. Also, my wife is Hispanic and does have a small accent when she speaks. So most ignorant people assume she's not in charge or intelligence. Rather than argue, she usually just grabs me. Mom, we are giving you a turkey. It's the turkey breast, which has more than enough meat for you and your husband. Further, we allocate the turkeys based on family size and we simply do not have any extra to give to you. This isn't good enough. We need a turkey. Note, she isn't yelling, but all eyes are definitely on us. Also, she's holding the box we gave her with everything in. I'm sorry, mom. Let me take back what you have and I'll see what I can do. I take back the box and hand it off to one of the staff and then turn back around. Okay, mom. Again, I'm sorry we weren't able to accommodate your wishes today. The exit is this way and you have a happy Thanksgiving. The Karen is dumbfounded. Wait, what? Well, you've expressed that this meal wasn't good enough for you and I would never impose upon anyone something they considered substandard. So again, the exit is this way and have a nice day. I walked her to the exit door and as I walked back through the line to the entrance, I ask, is there anyone else with an issue they need addressing? A few audible nopes and a few chuckles were heard, but that was that. I will point out at Christmas time, she was able to receive what she signed up for with no complaints. So I'm glad she picked up on that. We were able to help around 500 families for each holiday and our volunteers loved it. Entitled people bother me to no end, but she was one person in all of that. So it was definitely a success and worth it. Sorry, let me get this straight. Is this woman really complaining about free food on Thanksgiving when everyone else in that church is delighted because they're getting free food and they're probably extremely grateful and you and your wife OP are doing an amazing job as well as all the other volunteers and staff. The one person there is complaining about free food. That's insane. And also two pounds of turkey per person. Isn't that loads anyway? Like more than you could eat? Unbelievable. It really is. Big group thinks they own the forest because they come all the time a few months ago towards the end of the season in this area i went camping with my friends three women the spot we chose was on a cliff with a great view of a canyon and the creek at the bottom the area allows dispersed camping and there are very few spots with that view and it's first come first serve when we arrived only one spot was left with the view hidden behind trees but only a few feet away the view could only be accessed by walking straight through our camp I think there are other spots you can hike to without going through a campsite. On our first night there, a couple, two men, walked into our camp, saying they wanted to see the view. I wasn't super comfortable because you can't trust a stranger in a forest and they were in our space. 
but they were only there for a few minutes and left the next day we went to watch the sunset on the cliff and had left all our stuff lying around camp when we start hearing cars dogs voices and screaming kids two cars pulled up to our camp and walked right in making themselves comfortable we ran back to see that all of our space was completely invaded kids under our tarp and running around the tent poles people around our fire etc we had a small puppy with us that was terrified of the new dog but these people didn't care a woman explained that they live nearby and love coming to see the view i was in absolute shock at the disrespect everyone is allowed to enjoy nature and it was a public spot but you have to respect if someone is there first at least have the decency to ask as they were leaving well after sunset the same woman said they'd be coming later that night to see the stars my friends were so angry and i was still in shock as they were loading their car i ran up to them and said the first thing that came to mind i asked one of the men hey when you come back later are you planning on bringing the kids uh i'm not sure why is that replied the man well the thing is we're out here to do heavy drugs we're starting in a few minutes and things might get pretty wild and i wouldn't want to expose children to that you as adults might be able to handle it but i don't know what will happen by the way i don't do any drugs and i only drink occasionally they never came back thank god and hopefully they learned something about respecting people's space Okay, wow, OP, that's actually brilliant from you. Can you imagine going to see the stars with your children on a nice relaxing night and then instead you just see, like, I don't know, a bunch of adults monging out or tripping on acid or something? That'd be extremely scary. Uh, Unless you joined in, then it might be quite fun. Who knows? But yeah, to think of that on the spot and deliver it like that, unbelievable because what a normal person would have done for example me in that situation i probably would have said something that would have started an argument whereas you just came up with a little piece of brilliance that destroyed them unbelievable another snotty entitled racist douche i am a midwestern white guy of scottish descent if i get too much sun i'll explode in plaid flames i'm so white my wife and kids are not my wife and kids are mexican and my presence makes family barbecues interesting and i've been known to harness the power of my whiteness when police are called because a birthday party for an eight-year-old niece or nephew gets out of hand now that we have that out of the way one of my mexican sons married a guatemalan woman Needless to say, they speak a lot of Spanish. Occasionally, I find myself out with my daughter-in-law. And as a South American woman, she absolutely cannot function without a high enough coffee-to-blood ratio. So, we're sitting in a certain mermaid-themed coffee shop in a mall, having a conversation, gasp, in Espanol. Have you ever wondered how you know if the person that says, this is America and we speak English here, is a racist idiot or just a lazy self-entitled idiot well it's moments like this when the racist idiot sees two people having a private conversation in spanish and walks by the white guy to instead harass the pregnant latin woman now anybody who has ever met a latina knows that one you annoy them at your own risk this is a good way to find out if a high-heeled shoe can be absorbed rectally I'll neither confirm nor deny that I already know the answer to this question. And two, when you anger a Latina, you will get no help from others. They know better. They also don't want to get any of you on them when she starts ripping your vital organs out of your own butts. So, this racist sea hag hitches up her Louboutins, clutches her Michael Kors bag, struts past me, bends right down in my daughter-in-law's face, and screams at the top of her lungs, speak English or go back where you came from, you naughty word. People are destroying this country. My daughter-in-law stands up and without a word, slaps the Gucci sunglasses right off of her face 
and sits back down. Seahag's head spins around. She takes the time to look around and lays down on the ground, screaming at the top of her lungs that this foreign immigrant terrorist has just assaulted her for no reason. Call the police, call the army. She can't wait until everyone figures out that this election is a fraud and Trump kicks all of you, again, naughty word, immigrants out. Seahag's husband comes running over and is just about to get in my daughter-in-law's face when I stand up. Let's just say I absolutely dwarf this guy. I stand over six feet tall, have a beard down to my chest, and I pick heavy things up and put them down again in my spare time. As a result, I tip the scales north of 300 pounds, and each of my thighs is larger than my daughter-in-law's waist. The guy's maybe 5'6", and with $6 in change in each pocket, might weigh 125. I take one look at this guy, and he goes whiter than he already was. And I say, think very hard, any part of you that touches her i'm gonna break off and force feed to you now go away and take that thing with you as i point to see hack they slink off to sit in a booth on the other side of the coffee shop naturally someone has called the police who show up in short order see hack immediately launches into her speech about how she was just minding her own business and out of nowhere this crazed islamic terrorist attacked her and started beating the heck out of her and that red beard race traitor beat the heck out of her husband and laughed at him she thinks his nose might be broken they both need to be in jail now the second cop comes over to our table and my daughter-in-law turns on the waterworks the crazy woman started screaming at me i was just defending myself she places her hand on her stomach and my baby I summon my powers of whiteness and tell the officer i'm certain this place has cameras There are at least a dozen witnesses to that woman screaming to raid And I assure you that my daughter-in-law will not be answering any more of your questions without her attorney presence The cops take a few minutes to talk to a couple of other people Look at the security footage and come back to tell us that while my daughter-in-law probably shouldn't have slapped her It's pretty clear that it was in self-defense and while they will be filling out a report they won't be arresting anyone. And there we go. A beautifully written story. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, the icing on the cake there is just calling her Sea Hag. What a lovely, lovely name. Very apt and very lovely. I've got to say as well, good on your daughter-in-law. First of all, for standing up for herself, but second of all, for turning on the waterworks because ultimately she was the one that legally was in the wrong here. She was the one that I guess technically assaulted the Karen. The Karen didn't legally do anything wrong. Actually, that's not really true, is it? Racism is illegal, but I guess it might not have shown up on the cameras if there was no audio and that might just go down to hearsay. I don't know. Good thing that she didn't get in trouble and a fair play to the police for not arresting anyone. Although if they were going to arrest anyone, it should have been Seahag, that's for sure. Babysitting means paying the kids dental bills. Here's a fun one. Years ago, I would often babysit my neighbor's 9 to 10 year old daughter. He was a divorced father with the kind of ex that would send spreadsheets of child rearing expenses calculated to the penny and weekly invoices complete with terms and penalties of her own choosing for late payments. He paid big child support and generally paid his invoices on time because she would cut off access to the kiddo if he didn't. His ex, the snake, and I had basic text messaging contact. She and I had a previous dust up because a sudden weather change necessitated a jacket for her kid. We popped into the nearest discount store and I let her pick a jacket. The kid loved it, but her mother threw a giant fit at me because it wasn't brand named. I blew it off and the neighbor and I laughed about it when he reimbursed me. She gave me the silent treatment. Darn. Time moved forward. The father always reimbursed kiddos' expenses and encouraged fun and healthy activities. 
One day, he called me and apologized that he was getting held up at work and the kiddo had an orthodontist appointment. He asked me to take her and I agreed and he called the dentist to authorize. We got there and they wouldn't see her without a payment, $225. It was necessary. The kid's braces were hurting her. Dad wasn't available, but I knew he'd reimburse me. So I put it on my credit card rather than call her snake of a mother. The kiddo got patched up. Dad reimbursed me. I paid the card and didn't use it. A few months later, I got a past due call from my card company. Repeat charges from the orthodontist. I let the dad know and called the orthodontist, who told me that I'd signed an automatic payment agreement. I gave my heck no, I'm just the babysitter speech and didn't get far with them. So I canceled the card. Dad apologized profusely and reimbursed me. A month later, I get a nasty call from the orthodontist about my card declining. I kindly inform them I'm not the parents and provide the snake's phone number. About an hour later, the snake is furiously calling and texting me. I silenced my phone and looked later. She'd maxed out my voicemail and all of her text messages were about how I was abusing her child by denying the kid medical care. One voicemail was from the police, letting me know she filed a complaint, how I could get a copy from my attorney and inquiring about whether I wanted to file a counter complaint. I sure did. I moved out of state and the prosecutor called me once just to ask questions. Then I never heard back from the prosecutor. Last I heard from the kiddo's grandmother, the snake took a plea bargain. Dad got custody and grandma was enjoying a lot more time with kiddo. Okay, wow. When I first read the title of this, I thought that what was going to happen did in the sense that I thought that this mum or any parent might try and charge a babysitter for their kids or the dentist appointment. But I did not think that they would then ask them to keep paying the recurring fees every single time even after they've moved state and stopped babysitting the kid. Like even, even on r slash entitled parents, that did not cross my mind. I thought it'd be one-off payment for $200 or whatever. That doesn't surprise me. It's entitled parents. But to do it again and again and again, even when they no longer work for you, that was beyond my wildest expectations, even for this subreddit. I guess that just shows how far that, that we've come. Um, unreal. Even I am now surprised when I read stuff on this subreddit after three years of doing so. Incredible. My entitled parents won't stop trying to convince us to have an abortion. This happened a few years ago, but I'm telling it online for the first time now. I am a 40 year old man and I moved from China to the US when I was eight years old. And my parents have always used Chinese culture as an excuse for their behavior. Growing up, my dad enjoyed beating me whenever he had a bad day at work or just wanted to step on someone while my mum preferred to wear me down by methodically telling me I was a failure and did every little thing wrong. She never acknowledged me as a person with my own goals, thoughts, and preferences, but rather as an extension of her whose sole existence is to be demeaned, humiliated, and controlled for her amusements. When I got engaged, my original plan was to exclude them entirely. But my wife, who believes strongly in the bonds of family, convinced me otherwise. My parents, mostly my mother, waged a year-long campaign to convince me to break up the engagement because my fiancé is and was white. Every week, I received at least one phone call or email telling me how much American women don't respect family, like to divorce, or some similar arguments. Once we got married, their mission transitioned from preventing the wedding to breaking up the marriage, with non-stop comments and questions about all the things my wife should be doing as a wife, as well as occasionally trying to introduce me to nice Chinese girls. This continued well after we had our son, which my mum declared didn't look like me, 
then my daughter. And this leads us to our current story. For medical reasons, my wife had multiple miscarriages before having our daughter, and things became even more difficult when we tried to have a third child. It took years and many visits to multiple fertility clinics before my wife finally got a successful pregnancy. As a disobedient son, I've neglected to mention that my mum considered one son and one daughter to be ideal. As soon as she found out about the pregnancy, she shifted her usual campaign of wearing down my relationship with my wife to one of convincing us to abort our third child. Sometimes she would just state matter-of-factly that one son and one daughter is best. Sometimes she would pretend she cared about my happiness. Sometimes she spoke as if my wife's desire to keep our third child was a sign of her disrespecting me as a head of the family. My mum would cry, saying how sad it was that I didn't appreciate her and use many other paternal manipulation tools. This went on non-stop until our healthy third child, second son, was born. I have obviously disobeyed my parents from early childhood, and almost all of my worthwhile accomplishments arose from disobeying at least one, if not both of them, but I never consistently pushed back on the verbal campaign until recently. I don't know if my father knows I have the ability to speak, but my mother acted shocked that I could possibly think of her as anything other than a fully self-sacrificing mother who cares only for my well-being. What I did sounds unpleasant, but I finally realized that my mother cares only for her immediate short-term comfort, and so the only way to get her to understand the words coming out my mouth is to make her uncomfortable with direct accusations and insults. She still doesn't understand, admit, or acknowledge anything, but she's finally accepted after all these years that I do not believe that she is the best mother in the world. Now, don't get me wrong, I do agree with your wife that a family bond is very important, but not in this situation when your parents are as horrible and manipulative and controlling as this. Cut contact, my friend. I know it's tough, they're your parents, but you have to cut contact for your own sake, for your wife's sake, and for your children's sake. You do not want your parents to be a part of your life anymore, trust me. Sick entitled mother puts my asthmatic toddler at risk. I am a 35 year old woman, and I frequently travel to visit my family about five hours away. I travel with my toddler, who's a one and a half year old girl, who hates the car, so we make frequent stops. My last trip was during the school holidays here, so there were lots of families with children everywhere we stopped. Now, of course, this is no issue until we ran into this one selfish, entitled family. We stopped for some food and a play at a server we normally stop at. It's got a big shady grass area that my daughter, Danny, likes because she can run and play in. So I get a coffee from inside and we head over to the grass area where I park the car so Danny can play. Now we have a few vulnerable people in our family, including Danny, so we're still very careful about COVID and I purposefully parked away from the main area so that we could limit our interactions with strangers. As we make our way back to the car, I notice the family spread across the grass area one adult male, three adult females, and three children, approximate ages of three, five, and 10. They were all girls. The children and the entitled mother of the story were playing in the area close to my car. And when we got back, the children flocked straight to me. Then, as soon as the eldest, the 10-year-old, who was a lovely girl, polite and happy, started talking to me, and the younger two started playing with Danny, their entitled mum just turned around and walked back to the other adults, who were 15 to 20 meters away from my car. She didn't even look back at us. Like, seriously, what the frick? Now, this annoyed me so much. Like, really, who just leaves their young children to play and be supervised by a stranger? I love kids, so I'd never be rude to them. 
Plus, they were lovely kids, just not mine, and I really just wanted to drink my coffee while Danny played before we had to get back into the car. So as much as this annoyed me, I didn't let the children know. They're just kids. The eldest child and I chatted away as the young ones played. She was a real talker, and we spoke for about 10 minutes. Then Danny, who has asthma, started coughing. So I told the oldest child to excuse me as I needed to get Danny's puffer out of the car. That's when the girl said to me, my mum and dad have a bad cough too, from the virus. My heart sunk, but I asked what virus it was. The COVID one, she replied. Instantly, my internal rage went from mildly irritated to I'm about to lose my head. I told the girl that it was nice speaking with her, but we had to leave. I picked up Danny and took her straight to the car. I pulled out the hand sanitizer spray and her puffer and I sorted us both out. I sat there seething and quietly freaking in the back seat with Danny while she ate some fruits. We were on the way to visit elderly, extremely vulnerable family and I ended up turning around and driving three hours home because I couldn't risk them getting sick if we'd gotten COVID from that family. I was so angry and worried for my asthmatic daughter. If you are sick, COVID or otherwise, and you have to be out in public, don't interact with anyone, especially without a mask. And healthy or sick, don't leave your children with strangers. Jeez, I hate stupid, selfish, and entitled people. Well, don't we all? It's bad enough in this day and age interacting with anyone when you are actually sick. I mean, even a cough is bad enough. You don't want to give someone else a cough or a cold. It's not that nice, is it? But letting your children roam freely and interacting with other people when you have COVID, obviously something that has killed millions, is nuts. It should be illegal. Don't get me wrong, I know in the UK and other places right now there are no restrictions, but still, be courteous. If you know you have COVID, wear a mask at the very least if you go outside and don't chat to random people in the public. Like, are you nuts? My parents think I shouldn't have changed my name, even though it didn't serve me. Based off my post history, I, a 19-year-old woman, have explained how I was at my wit's end with the name I was given at birth. It didn't fit me. I was tired of the remarks, the mispronunciations, the misspellings. No more people asking if I'm a guy when other people mention my name, and then they see me, and I'm a nice looking girl with a masculine ass name. I felt a certain way about my name since I was little. Luckily, I changed it, and it's been officially changed for about a week now. I have a feminine, fierce name now. I can breathe. I'm proud to introduce myself without hesitation. It feels nice coming from my mouth. I'm not embarrassed anymore. Now, the thing is, my parents do not like my decision. A couple of days ago, my dad said I should have told him before I changed it, as if I need his permission. Plus, he lives in another state and we don't have the closest relationship. He was hurt by it though, but he didn't outright tell me. He said your name is your name for a reason and he's going to keep calling me my birth name. Okay, I guess that was the case when I was born, but my life hasn't been sunshine when it comes to what I was named at birth. I explained to him that I just wanted to be named something feminine. He asked to see my paperwork to see if it was legit and I had no problem sending him a picture. Today, I told my mum about his reaction and she said she didn't blame him. Then she proceeded to go off the deep end and compare my name change to how trans people change their gender. What did me changing my name have to do with trans people? She can be so ridiculous. You give me a name that is literally fit for a male not to mention a feminine middle name that would have been perfect as my first name, and then you want to bring up trans people just because you don't agree with me changing my name? That makes no sense. She said she's not calling me by my new name because she didn't name me that. 
I still live at home and trust me, I've been trying to get out for years. I just so happen to be doing online community college and live at home, but my dream is to move states and get an apartment far, far away from this BS. I can go somewhere and start over entirely and tell my name to new people who don't know me by my given name. I'll probably even start over on social media too while I'm at it. My parents can feel the way they want to, but I have to live with them. They don't want to call me by my new name, but it's not like I can ignore them. Hardly anybody in my family calls me my new name, actually. They don't want to, I guess. What can I do? I'm not changing my name back to what it was. Well, although it's tough, the answer is pretty obvious. You should do exactly what you said you were going to do. Start afresh. Sack them off. Move to a new place get new friends, do new social media, whatever. Reinvent yourself, reinvent your life in the same way that you've reinvented your name. That's what I'd suggest. Subsidized childcare means I don't have to pay you. I worked in childcare for half of my working life at different centers, but also as a nanny and babysitter. As you can imagine, I've got a whole lot of entitled parent stories from these years. This is just one of the many from when I was a nanny to a little boy with disabilities. He was very sweet, but his mum was very entitled. First of all, I took this particular job because I needed something income-wise so I could keep my apartments. I stuck with this job longer than I should have, and I regretted it. The entitled mum was working, but was a single mum and her kid needed medical and behavioral interventions, so she got state assistance. The state gave me this job through the welfare employment office. With childcare that is state subsidized, the government pays part of the wage and the parent pays the rest. That's how it's supposed to work anyway. This was in 2005, so minimum wage was $7.25 per hour. The government was supposed to pay half, and the parent was supposed to pay half, according to the contract for this job. It varies depending on what the family needs. So the state paid me $3.66 per hour, and the entitled mum was supposed to pay me $3.65 per hour at the end of each day. I met with the family and talked over these terms. Everything was agreed upon and signed by both parties. Then I turned a copy of the paperwork back into the employment office for their records. The next full day, my first full day of working with the entitled mum and her kid, the whole day went pretty well. Mostly the kid and I getting used to each other, him testing boundaries a bit, and me enforcing routines that were already established. Pretty standard for the first day. The entitled mum comes home and her kid went running up to her, eager to show off his art project that we were working on. I had a date, so I asked the mum for my day's wages. She looked absolutely stunned and asked, but don't you get paid by the office for this? I explained how it was supposed to work and showed her the paperwork that we'd both signed the day before, agreeing she was supposed to pay her part every day. She said, but that's not how it works. I can't do that much. She was horrified that she would have to pay anything, thinking that $3.65 per hour was a livable wage. It was torture trying to get her to pay me anything at all. Because I was making progress with the kid and no one else wanted to be assigned to this family, I stayed. The entitled mum paid me $5 per day plus food and transportation costs, but that's the maximum I was ever able to get from her. I did end up having to give up my apartment and move in with my boyfriend, now my husband. I changed jobs soon after that, so maybe eight months total, working for the entitled mum and her sweet kid. Yeah, so one word here uh, that springs to mind, fraud, because you've signed a contract and you haven't kept up with the terms of that contract. That is fraudulent behavior of the highest accord. Also, who can live on $5 a day? Sorry, what? That's, that is incredible. How can you sign something? Surely she read it. I mean, maybe she didn't. And then 
Question it. Uh, astonishing. $5 a day. Wow. Won't let you mooch anymore. I have this friend from uni who is a 37-year-old woman. She's much older than me. The reason I mention this is I managed to get a really good job after finishing uni and I also scored very well even after my disabilities and getting into a major accident. Since I live in a different country, I had no one to help me in these situations, and I'm proud I still managed to reach where I am now. So, I met this friend at a friend's dinner party. From the first glance, she tried hard to be close to me. I didn't really understand in the beginning, but she also very quickly shared a lot of her own problems and issues. My mistake was I gave her some solutions, and I also helped her to resolve a few of them. Now, every now and then, she started to call for any help. Can you do groceries for me? I'm not well. I'm so lonely. No one's there for me. So I thought, all right, I'll buy her groceries. But I never got the money back. She invites me for coffee. I have to pay for everything. She even eats my food. This started to affect my mental health. She'd call me at work and wants to talk about her mental health all the time while I'm the one being treated for PTSD and anxiety. I soon moved to my own place. I invited all my friends for dinner, her as well. She soon announced that she would be moving in with me. I was shocked. I said no, I got my apartment so I can have my own place. After a lot of back and forth, she stopped. Now she moved back to her own country a few months ago, but she wants to come back here to find work. She again asked me if she can stay at my place. I asked for how long. She said a few weeks or it could be months. I said I cannot do that. She told me one of her very kind friends agreed to let her stay with them. At the last moment when she arrived here, the kind friend said they never actually agreed to let her stay with her and she misunderstood. Now she calls me and asks if my guest can leave so that she can come and stay. I have my other friend over for a few weeks. At this point, I thought she'd made all this up to use my own guilt emotions against me but I still told her I cannot, but she had the audacity then to call me names and whatnot. I've decided to finally cut her and call her on her BS. I know I'll get called names and how selfish I am, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, good on you, OP. Oh, it's actually so sad, isn't it? Sometimes people that are the most genuine and kind clearly like OP. I mean, offering to do someone else's groceries for them when you're going through so much yourself is crazy selfless. I rate that so highly. They're the ones that usually get walked over the most. It's sad to see, but it happens. Like when you get people as gracious as this, they do often get taken advantage of, which is such a shame. But I guess it's up to people like you and me to make sure those really gracious people that we have in our lives feel super worthwhile and just know how amazing they are. My ex's mother is mad at me for breaking up with her angel boy. So basically, I, a 15-year-old girl, and my ex, a 15-year-old boy, broke up a little over a month ago. In the first couple of weeks, my friends were comforting me. For some background, he was manipulative and forced me to do things I didn't want to, like sending photos, etc. It took me over two months to finally break up with him. Like I said before, the first couple of weeks after the breakup, I was just being comforted. Then after that, his mother began harassing me with messages and voicemails. It was just mild at first, although I never answered the calls because I was scared of his mother. Her son was one of those boys who always acted differently in front of certain people. And I was stupid enough not to see that this was a very red flag. Anyway, his mother obviously thinks he is an angel sent from heaven who can do no wrong. So when I told her about what he did to me, she lost her head. 
She started spam calling and spam texting me. I, as a teenager, was very afraid, so I shut my phone off and decided to just leave it for a bit and hope things would die down. The next morning, when I checked my phone, I had over a hundred text messages and 35 missed calls. I checked through all of them. The texts were, of course, the typical, how dare you? My child is an angel. He would never do that to anyone cursing me out and all that stuff but the voicemails were more vulgar she said that she was going to find where i live and hurt me and in one of the voicemails i will never forget what she said you young lady are a very spoiled brat you are just sad that you can't get my son to send to you so you're making all of those lies and fibs up so that you can gain some sort of dominance you will never and i mean never have any man in your life ever again because of this I hope that you end up lonely and miserable because that is all you'll ever be. And then it ended with some rustling and muffled yelling before it beeped. But at that point, I was having a panic attack and couldn't breathe. That was a couple of days ago. Of course, he hasn't and won't tell his mother the truth so he can keep his angelic image. But lately, he's been texting me and saying that I should drop all of this because his mother won't stop yelling at him to call me or text me. My friends tell me that I shouldn't because I'm not in the wrong, but I think I am. Now, before I comment on this story, Opie has given us a little update. This morning, I told my parents about what happened and asked them if they could give her a call to talk to her, the ex's mum, I assume. They haven't told me anything yet because they're both at work, but I haven't got any more messages or calls from my ex. Neither my parents nor me want to get police involved in case it goes too far and we might end up going to court. We don't have much money to spare for a lawyer, so we try to solve most things by ourselves. My dad is an ex-police officer, so he knows and understands how wrong all of this is. I am, however, grounded for a bit, seeing as I had a boyfriend. I was going to tell them, but then I broke up with him, so I didn't see a point until all of this started happening. I'm going to wait until tomorrow morning to see if they call or text me again. If not, I'll block his number on everything. If they do, I'm handing my phone over to my parents. Well, there you go, OP. It sounds like you're doing the right thing and you have the right mindset. What I would say is there's no way you're in the wrong here. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? You're the one that's getting harassed by a mother of your ex at the age of 15. Uh, If anyone's in the wrong here, which they are, it's definitely her. No, mum, dad, younger brother and aunt. I'll keep on doing my little tradition. I, a 27-year-old woman, had an older brother, a 25-year-old male, who died in 2014. He was the older brother any girl would want, and we were close. He taught me valuable lessons in life, such as cooking, driving, and never giving up. Showed me anime manga, would go on little road trips, and we flat out ignore our parents' favoritism with my younger brother. Sadly, he died when a shooting happened. He was not a criminal, he was only eating when it happened. And there was an investigation, and police found he was not involved in any illegal activity. One of the bullets killed him instantly, He was only 25 and I was 19 in 2014. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't fall into a deep depression. It came to the point where I stopped eating and lost around 55 pounds in a month and a half after his passing. I only drank water and milk that would fill me up. I didn't want to get better until one day my former sister-in-law called me to tell me that he left me some things. I met up with her and the stuff he left behind was an album with Polaroid pictures of our crazy adventures graphic anime tees, and a chain with both of our initials. I was in tears and I decided to get help because he would love to see me happy and not dying of sadness. It's been years since his passing and I'm doing a lot better. And I have a tradition that on his birthday, I leave flowers at his grave. 
I only stay for two minutes and then leave after singing him happy birthday. My therapist said this was a good idea. However, my parents, younger brother, and aunt decided to have an intervention, thinking religiously that I was doing something satanic, that I was calling out the dead, that they should have thrown the things he left me in the garbage, and that I should attend to their church to see if the Lord gets those diabolical ideas out of your head. I was shocked and told them that I won't stop doing this tradition and I won't be attending their church that this is their older son and that if they keep behaving like this, I won't feel bad at all for having to go no contact with them. They kept on yelling at me and my aunt went as far as to throw holy water at me. I'd had it at this point and told them that when they stop being religious nuts, we'll talk. But as of today, I want nothing to do with them. I left before any of them could say anything. It's been a week since the incident and I've blocked their numbers. I just saved myself from toxic family members and I won't go back there ever again. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not religious myself, but I'm all for religion. You can practice whatever you want. I don't care. In fact, I encourage it. Do what makes you happy. However, when it gets to a situation like this and your religion has come to this extent to which you are literally choosing to pretty much forget your dead relative, yeah, that's too far for me. By all means, do what you want personally, but when you're preaching your ideology and your thoughts onto somebody else and using religion as an excuse, yeah, that's too far. That is nuts. Fair play to you, OP, for going no contact. I rate that highly. My mother called me selfish for wanting to be an organ donor and cremated when I die. My mother said this years ago. My brother passed away suddenly from cancer in 2019, 27 hours after being diagnosed. Oh my God. He was 37. It tore our family apart from the grief. It's caused us to make up our living wills and how we like to be buried. I was close to my brother, so he told me what he wanted if he died four years before he did. I planned his funeral and everything. My mother trusted me and was pleased at how I planned it. The day after his funeral, we were talking about how he wanted our bodies to be handled after our death. I told her I wanted to donate my organs and whatever is left, I wanted cremated and most of my ashes scattered. If family wanted to keep some, they can. My mother asked how else will she visit my grave? I told her I don't want a grave. And again, I said they can have some of my ashes and plan a funeral if they like. I don't really care if I get a funeral or not, personally. Then she told me it's a sin to not have your body intact when going into heaven. When I reminded her I am a non-believer, she started calling me selfish for putting a burden on her by making her think I'm going to hell for my body not being intact and an atheist. She started calling me selfish for not having a grave for her and family to visit and selfish for not letting family keep all my ashes. When I told her my body, my choice, my mother started to cry and said, well, if you die before me, I'll make sure you have a grave. I don't care what you want. How could you be so self-absorbed? I felt bad and apologized. She said, think about someone else for once. Do you know how selfish it is to want to pollute the environment with human remains? Yeah, I know now that I said nothing wrong, but at the time I felt like the butthole for not letting my family visit my grave. So that's why I apologized. Since then, I wrote a living will because I can't trust my mother to handle my wishes. Recently, when the conversation steered to death and burial, I again repeated my wishes. My mother said, No, you're not. I'm not going to live the rest of my life thinking my daughter is in hell. I'll plan everything for you. Okay, mom. 
I mean, ultimately, this is a pretty tough one. There's not much more you can do other than write your living will and make sure that the family members you actually like and trust know about it. Apart from that, yeah, if you're dead, you're dead. I mean, for what it's worth, I think it's pretty disrespectful that your mum can't even accept your dying wishes. It is your life after all. And look, obviously it's going to be extremely sad and unlikely, let's be realistic, that you die before your mum. But it's your life and she should respect that. Other than that, got to say, it sounds like a lovely woman. What's her number? Now for our final story of today's episode. Now this one, trust me, you're going to enjoy. Turning the lights off doesn't make it cooler. Current heatwave in the UK reminded me of a massive blowout at a previous job back in 2017. I returned to work after a period of sickness. I came into the office to find that the lights are off and the aircon is off too. Now, in the UK, aircon is still not standard, and being in an office where the sun hits you most of the day, it was bliss to have it on. We had filters on our windows to stop people looking in and seeing our computer screens, but they did not stop the heat coming through. The office was like an oven. My little desk fan did nothing, and having the lights off meant that I could barely see my screen, let alone my desk. I raised this with my manager, who was the office health and safety rep, and was told that two of the 20 people in the office didn't like the lights on because it made them feel hotter. So they turned off all the lights. I asked, then, if they felt hot, why turn off the aircon? And the answer because they didn't like the air blowing on them where they sat. The temperature in the office was hitting 26 degrees Celsius, that's 78 Fahrenheit, and the light levels were like trying to work at dusk. I told my boss that I couldn't work under these conditions because they were triggering the condition that I'd been off with, and I was told to go work in another office. I then tried to bring it up with the two people who caused this by asking why they'd chosen to turn off the aircon and the lights, and I was told that they felt too hot with the lights on and the aircon blew directly on them, which was too annoying. Now, the lighting was ultra-low emission lighting, so it gave out no heat. And when I said this, I was told that it didn't matter because it was how they felt. And if you have a problem with that, then go work somewhere else. I put my concerns in writing to my boss and got an email back telling me to go find another office to work in. But before I could move, he would have to approve it. Now, I was on the company H&S team, which sat over the office reps, i.e. my boss. And at the next meeting, I brought up that I understood that there were no minimum or maximum heat requirements for an office. But what were we to do if it was hitting 26 degrees Celsius, but the aircon was off? I was told by our CFO, obviously, to turn on the aircon. I explained that two out of 20 people didn't want it on. The CFO scribbled down something and said he'd look into it. I then brought up minimum light levels, for which there is legislation, and how we were falling below those. My husband had lent me a light meter to check, which I did one lunchtime when most of the team were out. The CFO asked why it was so dark, and I said that those same two people insisted on all the lights being off because it felt hotter with them on. Again, frantic scribbling. I was off the next day, and then it was the weekend. I came in on the Monday to the aircon on, the lights on, and the two moaners glaring at me. Then my boss calls me into a meeting and tells me that he got shouted at by his boss, the big boss, because the CFO had come to him and torn him a new one over the lights and aircon. It seems the CFO had come into the office on the Friday when the managers and his boss had all gone out for a lunch together with the two moaners. You can now see how they had influence and talked with the rest of the office about the conditions and they'd all said that it was awful. He then waited for the bosses to come back and was sitting in the big boss's office. Turns out they'd had a long lunch. 
he proceeded to get into him about breaking H&S regulations over the lighting and that if 2 out of 20 didn't like the office, then they had to move, not inflict this situation on everyone else. The aircon was turned on and the lights and the CFO left. The two moaners went straight to the big boss and whined with their manager and were told that nothing could be done for them except that they had to find a different office if they didn't like it. They went on about their rights and the big boss told them it was not up for discussion. The two guys who were responsible for H&S for the whole company had come in with the CFO, checked the lighting levels and they were lower than I'd even thought. We were in serious non-compliance. So, when I got called into the meeting with my boss, he was upset because he'd been shouted at by his boss because I'd gone to the H&S committee and not through him. I reminded him that I had brought it up verbally and in an email and he'd emailed back that if I was unhappy, I should move offices. Well, the big boss had thrown my boss and the boss of the two moaners under the bus and said he knew nothing of it. So now my boss was in trouble as the H&S office rep for allowing it to happen when he was supposed to check regulations before making decisions. Whilst I got the lights and aircon back on, it was a small victory. I left three months later. Well, hey, a small victory is a victory nonetheless, and it's a bigger victory for those 17 other workers that may or may not have stayed past those three months. I mean, it's crazy. Two out of 20 people want to change something, 18 people don't, and you change it? That's a strange democracy right there. Dad called me Amber Heard. I found out from my mum that my bio dad called me Amber Heard in a Facebook post because I won't let him meet my child since he abused me my whole life. He's already turned my siblings against me because they still live with him and were too young to remember the worst of it, and I'm the oldest. They don't remember the beatings, the starvation, not having utilities because he spent all our money on drugs and more. Now guys, you know usually that I want to bring you the most entertaining and often funny entitled parents posts, but I came across this one and I thought I had to share it with you to show that parents like this still exist. And I think this goes beyond entitled. This literally is abusive. The point being, if you have parents like this, first of all, I'm so sorry for you. Second of all, you're not alone and there are other people that unfortunately have parents like this too. All right, next up. My mum wants me to wake up before work and cook for her family. First of all, some important information. My parents immigrated from a country in Central Africa and this sexist mindset is rooted in culture as this is very much how most people live there. This happened a couple of weeks ago. For some background, I am a 15-year-old girl and I volunteer at somewhere similar to the YMCA to meet my graduation volunteer hours requirements. For the rest of the story, I'm gonna call it work because it is work. I'm just getting paid in volunteer hours while some my age are getting paid in money. Another thing is I promised my mum I'd cook more this summer because however will I find a husband if I can't cook every dish known to man? I only agreed because she said I couldn't work or volunteer this summer if I didn't. Anyways, on to what happened. My hours are from 10.30 to 4, so I figured it would be best if I came home, shower, then make dinner. The first day was fine, but when I came home on the second day, my mum was annoyed. She didn't even say hello before she scolded me for not making any food that day. I told her I would after I go and shower. She asked what I expected my family of seven, including me, to eat while I was gone. I was dumbfounded, as there are four able-bodied adults in this home who could cook food or order it. Plus, there were some leftovers in the fridge, not to mention snacks. I asked her what she wanted me to do about that since I couldn't leave work early. She told me I should wake up before my shift and cook for the family. 
Now I was angry. I told her that was ridiculous and that I am a teen, not a mum, and I shouldn't have to wake up early and make food for us. Not to mention when $5 fell out of my pocket at work and I needed lunch, she told me to fast or diet. It won't kill you. So I didn't eat anything for my five and a half hour shift. She told me that this was only to prepare me for the future, for when I had my own family, husband and kids to cook for. It's funny how she didn't do this for my brother, who is 18, even though he's going to college after the summer ends, so his future family is closer than mine. Then I said the very thing from her nightmares. Well, thanks for showing me, because I now don't want a husband and kids if this is how I have to suffer. She screamed not to say that, because it might make me infertile, and I said, I don't care. I was then yelled at for saying that. Oh, and by the way, the whole time I was crying a bit from the stress, Oh, frick my life. Okay, yeah, just a simple example of some blatant sexism and controlling parental behavior. What more can I add? Disgusting to see, but it happens. Again, as I do often say, three more years and you're out of there. I guess just hold on till then if you can, OP. Grandma told me I was going to hell at my birthday dinner. This happened years ago at this point, but I just found this up. For some context, my father died when I was very young and he was gay. So my grandmother didn't think he was a good influence or parent divorce left my mum a single parent more or less because my dad really did have a lot going on at the time and wasn't fit to be the sole provider for me so she relied on my grandparents my father's parents for a lot because of this my mum was very reliant on them for money and usually just let my grandmother have her way about things something she got her way about until i turned 18 was that i went to catholic school I was an altar girl at church, was ordained to give out the Eucharist during mass, the whole shebang. On to the story. I was turning 19 and I just moved home that summer from my first year of college. I couldn't afford a second year there, so I moved home and was enrolling in community college. Since I was home for my birthday, my grandparents offered to take me out for dinner. Diners were always their jam, so I picked one I liked and we go to dinner and we're having a nice time. Then they bring the bill. Grandpa gets up to pay at the counter, as is typical with American diners, and that is when she strikes. Alone at the table with my grandmother for the occasion of my birthday, she proceeds to tell me how disappointed she is that I've stopped going to church, how she feels like I'm wasting the Catholic education she convinced my mother I needed, presumably so I wouldn't turn out gay like my father, and that this deeply saddens her, as I'm surely going to hell as a result. I was stunned. She'd never spoken to me like this before. I don't even know how I responded. I genuinely don't remember. What I do remember is realizing in that moment that nothing I ever accomplished would ever be good enough for her if it didn't include her faith as well. Grandpa came back to the table and she immediately shut up. Grandpa would have never let her say anything like that to me and certainly not at a celebration for my birthday. It was like once I turned 18 and was really finally able to start making decisions for myself, she realized she was losing control of me. I have plenty more stories about her. She's been a constant presence in my life for years. For instance, the time she tricked me into visiting my father's grave. I'm just not sure how well received the grandparents' stories are on this sub. Well, guys, good news. As you can probably imagine, the comments on Reddit were demanding to hear the grave story. And so OP has obliged. Here is that story. To give you the sure or sweet version, I guess, my dad died when I was 12. When his headstone was ready, grandma wanted everyone to go out to his grave so a priest could bless the stone or something. I didn't want to go. The funeral was traumatic to say the least. 
The worst way as a kid to be the center of attention is because one of your parents has just died. Anyways, I refused to go. A few weeks later, and I'm on summer break, and went to my grandparents' house every day while my mum worked. Basically, grandma went and picked up my favorite cousin, took us to get lunch, and instead of going home after lunch, we ended up at the cemetery. I'd never felt so betrayed in my entire life. My aunt, a different aunt than the one who gives me grief for not visiting, ripped my grandma about 16 new buttholes when she found out. Well, I guess that just confirms if we didn't already know that this woman is truly vile. Um, it's as simple as that. You would think that at the age of 12, losing a parent alone would be bad enough, but no. Having your grandma then try and control everything around her and your actions, wow, unbelievable. Parents feel entitled to choose who I can date or not. I am a 27-year-old woman, and I've been with my 22-year-old boyfriend for six months now. But before that, we were friends for a long while. He was at an exchange program at my university, and we just hit it off. He's basically my best friend. I can talk to him about anything, and I feel incredibly safe and protected by him. My parents are Muslims. Mum is Asian, and dad is Arab. The thing is, he's a recent convert. He converted before we met, actually, so entirely his decision. So the chances of my parents being against him is 150% plus. Just the other day, my aunt asked me if I was seeing anyone. I didn't tell her that I was dating or anything of the sort, just that I had a friend I liked. She asked for a picture and I shared it with her. I said I liked him and he likes me, but he's a convert and younger than me. She asked which religion he is from and I said that his parents are Buddhist. I never mentioned his race to her either. She said he was cute, but she's against it because of the age difference. I'm supposed to be the younger one in the relationship. A few days later, while going on a hellish long drive with my mum, she started bringing up topics about women who marry recent converts being cursed, that their children will be born handicapped, their husbands will cheat on them eventually, and that the guys are only converting because of the girl, not for themselves. So the guys will revert back to whatever their original religion was. She kept asking to see my phone and see if I was going out with anyone. She kept accusing me of keeping secrets from her. She proceeded to tell me that my dad dreamt of me being in a bathtub with a black Nigerian man with horns and having my back turned on my parents in the dream. The year before, my dad dreamt I was naked in a hot tub with some ugly fat guy. I don't freaking know. So now my dad's crying because he thinks that the devil has won and made me stray from the path. I was looking for something on my mum's phone, a video. I scrolled down and there it was, my boyfriend's picture in her phone sent by my aunt. I felt betrayed, but I kept quiet. I wanted to see where this was going. Today, my mum told me that she dreamt of a Chinese man wearing all red, bowing before her and bobbing his head. This is so racist, I don't even know what to say anymore. She asked me again, much more sternly this time, am I seeing anyone? I said I like someone. She asked if he had slanted eyes. Racist Asian mum language, is he Chinese? I said yes. How long have you known him, she asked. Two years. You've been keeping that quiet? I told you that I need to screen every single one of your boyfriends. I don't like this guy. He's a convert. He's got slanted eyes and is a lot younger than you. It will never work out. I don't approve of him. No wonder your father's been crying. He was right. She wants me to be with someone of similar age, or he needs to be older than me, come from a line of Muslims, is an original Muslim and is religious, and no Buddhist or Chinese, because they hate Muslims and would do whatever it takes to stray Muslims from the right path. My heart just broke. I don't know. Deep down, I wanted them to be okay with this. 
I feel betrayed by my aunt. I feel like I'm being trapped by my parents. It's gotten to the point where I might just wait until everyone dies before I start to date openly. I love being with him, but I think he deserves better. I'm fine with being single. I'll be sad, sure, but at least I won't make my parents cry over it. I hate making them sad or disappointing them. I can't move out because in Islam, it's illegal for a woman to live on her own. I also can't just elope or marry my boyfriend if we choose to do so because I need blessings from my parents in order to get married. I'm sorry, my mind is a mess right now. I really don't know how to deal with this situation. This is mainly why I never introduced them to my other boyfriends because I guess deep down, I knew they'd never accept who I choose. So this is pretty disheartening. I'll probably never look for a relationship ever again if this is how the outcome will always be. It's put me off completely. I care about them a lot and I don't want to make them sad. But on the other hand, if I do marry someone they approve of, I'm going to be honest, it would probably be just for them. I probably silently resent my future husband for this and it's not fair. I'll be sad if I marry someone they approve, if I can't choose who I like. They'll be sad if I marry someone they don't approve. It feels like the best way is just to not get married, to be honest. Wow, there we go. That is the end of that one. Another example of parents putting their religion before the interests and happiness of their own child. Look, I'm not religious, as you lot know, but I still will never understand this. Even if I was religious, come on. Does this make sense? You lot that are religious, let me know in the comments. Does this make any sense to you? Putting your religion in front of your child's happiness. How? My pregnant ex keeps trying to move into my apartments. This is not my story. This is my friend's story that I'm posting for him because he doesn't have a Reddit account and he wants people to hear about this. Also, for convenience, I'm going to write this in first person because pronouns are hard to keep up with. Everything here is approved by my friend. So, I am a 21 year old man and I have an ex, Angelica, who is 20. Angelica and I had an on and off relationship since we were about 15. But we got serious when COVID hit and I had to move back to my hometown. We got an apartment together and very soon after, she started spending a lot of time with her cousin. Long story short, she's screwing her cousin. We break up. We've been broken up for nine months at this point. For seven of those months, her phone has been on my phone bill and she owes me over $500. Fine, whatever. I'll never see that $500 and she always makes excuses to pay me back. That's life. It's my own fault for letting her keep using me as a cash cow. She also took my car when we broke up and I let her because I was too afraid she'd try and take my apartment too. Anyway, it's nine months past our breakup and I get this message. Hey, I'm pregnant. I'm on my way home from work so I don't respond. That is nine months past being my problem. It's not my baby. She messages me again. My boyfriend, the one she cheated on me with, and I have nowhere to stay. Still, nine months past my problem. Now, Angelica has never worked a day in her life. She lives off the disability check from her boyfriend and spends it 99% on weed and fast food. She never paid rent and is documented to never pay rent. Anyway, she tells me, My name is still on the lease. We're going to move in in September. I tell her, Your name is not on the lease. It was renewed last month and I took your name off. I'm sorry. She messages me calling me a jerk and saying she's moving in because she has nowhere for her baby and three dogs to stay. Mind you, my apartment is more like a studio and barely fits me, let alone two other people and three dogs. So I tell her it's not happening. I'm moving out of town soon anyway. Also, come and pick up your stuff that you left at my apartment nine months ago. She says no and that if I throw it away, she's going to press charges. I tell her it doesn't matter because when I move, I'm throwing it away. 
She later called my landlord and told him I was planning on moving out. I got upset at this and told her I ran the numbers on the car and it's still in my name. So get the car out of my name now or I'm repossessing it or she can just leave me the frick alone. She started bawling on a call asking how I could do this to her and her unborn child and that I was condemning her and her child to be homeless. She also still has a gun in my name that I told her to give back or I'm calling the cops. I'm really considering repossessing the car since it was mine from the start and is still in my name. She doesn't deserve to get a free car handed to her. She needs to wake up. She keeps saying she needs a place to stay, that I'm ruining her and her baby's life. It's literally my apartment that she's never once paid rent on. I don't know how she thinks she's entitled to just live in my apartment with the guy she cheated on me with and three dogs. I hope the baby ends up okay. It's not its fault its mother is a spoiled brat. But I also hope being homeless and careless wakes her the frick up. Yeah, OP, you've got the right mindset here, but you need to go further. I mean, come on. Why are you still paying for her stuff? She cheated on you nine months ago and you're still paying for her phone bill. She's still using your car. Come on, dudes. Grow a backbone. What you're saying here is all good and well, but you should have done this nine months ago and you need to do it now. Women tried to get my 14-year-old and 7-year-old sisters arrested for taking out the trash. This happened today, while me, a 20-year-old woman, my mum, who is 39, and my two sisters, 14 and 7, were cleaning out our yard. For context, we live in a smaller, older-looking house on a relatively gentrified street with a lot of small to medium-sized but high-end apartment buildings. It's still the same neighborhood, despite them being three to five-story buildings with underground parking. So we have two big metal dumpsters in the neighborhood, one at the start of the neighborhood and one near the end. We live near the middle of the neighborhood, so my mum decided to just request a private bin from the government to place outside our own gate so as to not have to walk too much to throw away our trash when we're busy. Well, let's just say that after five years of rough treatment from the government waste collection company, it gave its last service and we had to request a replacement which would take a few days. In the meantime, we had to take turns walking to the dumpsters on either side of our neighborhood to throw away the trash. It's never a problem and shouldn't be because it's all of our taxes that pay for waste collection anyway. My mum sent both of my sisters to throw a bag of yard cuttings to any of the dumpsters and they decided to go to the one near the start of the neighborhood for once. It's all right. My mum says okay and stays near the gate to keep an eye on them while I continue to clean the porch. A few minutes later, I can hear my mum start yelling then running in the direction that my sisters went in and I nearly died thinking something horrible happened. So I followed her. At the start of the neighborhood were my sisters near the dumpster that was off to the side of the building and a woman was full-on screaming at them from her second floor balcony with her husband just watching from the sliding door i couldn't hear what the woman was saying as of yet but i did hear when my mum started tearing the lady a new one from in front of my sisters when she got there my mum is a bit of a hothead and while i am too she tends to make irrational decisions more and her english begins to slip it's her second language which makes it hard to get her point across or understood so as usual i walk up and take over and tell her to calm down while i deal with the karen my mum was pulled back by my sisters to the other side of the road and i looked up to look at the dumbass on the second floor what in the world are you saying mom you can't throw your trash here i'm gonna give you the freaking trash collection bill mom this is a public neighborhood dumpster i pay to live in this neighborhood and for this trash collection you can't throw your stuff in there unless you pay for it to be picked up 
At this point, I'm utterly confused. Is she stupid and couldn't see the big fat government stamp painted on all sides of the dumpster? Mom, we live in this neighborhood too. She then makes the mistake of ignoring me and looking towards my sisters on the other side of the street and begins to yell her head off. Both of you take the trash you threw out of the dumpster now, now, or I'm calling the freaking police. My sisters are seven and 14. She wanted to call the police on them, which immediately set my mum off again. I was quite irritated. My mum shouted back, shut up, I'm their mum. You talk to me or your whole butt back into your apartment. At this point, I say to mum, Ma, go home. But this lady is just absolutely screaming and pulls out her cell phone, repeating that she's going to call the police and make us pay for trash collection. I immediately lose my patience. Call them then. Get it over with. Call them and tell them that you want them to arrest a 14-year-old and 7-year-old for throwing trash in the dumpster. The lady seemed taken aback, but began directing this at me again. I'll have them lock you all up. You're polluting the neighborhood and dumping trash when you don't pay for the service. Take the trash out of the dumpster before I come break all your faces. You don't pay the waste company either. Call the police and tell them all of this. Do it before I do. That made her husband finally step in and he pulled her back into the apartment while she still screamed. He came outside by himself while we heard crashing and slamming inside the apartment. The husband said, you don't have to take the trash back out of the dumpster. Just don't do it again. But that made me even more irritated and I took a few deep breaths. Why can't I throw trash here in the public neighborhood dumpsters funded by my tax dollars just the same as it's funded by yours? This man had the audacity to snore and shake his head. I know about your people, sweetheart. Don't lie to us. It clicked as to what the frick both of them were insinuating. You piece of absolute shit. Do not pretend to know anything about me or my family whatsoever. Keep in mind that this is at like 10 a.m. on a Monday and the street was not empty. So the few people going about their business had been stunned by the argument and a neighbor had already called the police about a public disturbance. The police drive a huge expensive Ford truck that they spend all their money on to get because of course they did. This is a developing country after all. And boy, did that whole story that me, my family, the crazy woman and her husband, and a few neighbors had to recount did not go well for the crazy Karen. Especially when they had to step into the apartment building manager's office to review the security footage, which made it go even worse for the crazy lady and her husband because the apartment manager was appalled and didn't say a single word to anyone other than the police until she slipped aside and called the owner of the building. Let's just say that my 14 and 7 year old sisters did not end up taking an air conditioned ride in the backseat of the police Ford to the station to be charged with threats against a minor and public disturbance and neither did they get an immediate eviction notice for breaking of their lease agreement while their wife went off to solidify her criminal record screaming at police officers people really be back crazy nowadays and there we go that is the end of that one i'm not entirely sure exactly what this woman's rationale was the entire time it wasn't explicitly stated but my inkling is that it was probably racism you didn't say where you're from the country you're from or your skin color but that is the way it kind of sounded which is just horrible to hear i've got to say that you did handle that extremely well calming your mum down being logical the whole time being relatively calm yourself i mean obviously you got pretty irate but who wouldn't in that situation and getting a good outcome so fair play to you for keeping it cool as much as you could i would never have been able to do that boyfriend's dad is lucky we didn't call the cops 
Disclaimer, I'm not advocating for violence. I'm just pointing out how lucky my boyfriend's dad is that I don't currently own a firearm because I genuinely thought that we were experiencing a home invasion. Two things are important to know about me. I am hard of hearing and I am a survivor of a violent crime and subsequent stalking. For some context, my boyfriend who is 28 and his folks in their late 60s own a coffee shop. But because his dad doesn't want to A, listen to anyone else, B, learn how to run a business correctly, or C, pay his son his draw, my boyfriend is largely uninvolved and has talked about being bought out. He is still the administrator on the point of sale system though, because his dad has no desire to actually learn how it works or go through the process to take over the accounts. The coffee shop drama could be a whole series of posts about how they did us dirty, perhaps another time. We got to bed really late. Okay, early. It was 4.30 a.m., which normally wouldn't be an issue as my boyfriend was scheduled for a late shift and I'm currently taking time off work to figure out a medical issue. My boyfriend turns off his phone volume when he goes to bed and this is well known to everyone close to us. He's notoriously hard to get a hold of in the mornings. I only hear my phone if it's right under my pillow and the volume and vibration is up. At 6.25 a.m., I started receiving the following texts from my boyfriend's mum, which I do not hear as I'm past the freck out. Sorry to bother you. I need your boyfriend to call his dad ASAP. His phone is off. Then at 7.35 a.m., she texts, My husband is going to come and wake you guys unless he calls us. Just before 8.30, the dogs start barking as someone tried to open the locked bedroom door. I wake up panicked as whoever it is starts banging on the door. It then stops for a few moments, then starts again. No one has said anything at this point. Not me, not my boyfriend, not the intruder. I get up and go to the closet for the baseball bat and start kicking myself for thinking we wouldn't need a gun when my boyfriend had brought it up in the past. We open the bedroom door to find my boyfriend's entitled dad at the end of the hall. He starts yelling about needing the code for the two-factor authentication for the register. I start yelling at him and my boyfriend, who is just as angry as I am. Has me go back into the bedroom, I put my hearing aids in at this point. His dad claims to have been knocking on our front door, but neither dog heard him. My boyfriend gives him the code, tries to explain to him that coming into our house unannounced is a huge violation of trust and boundaries, not the first major issue. His dad then yells about needing to get the register working. My boyfriend kicks him out and we think that's the end of it. Not two minutes later, I receive another text from my boyfriend's mum. Please tell my son to send the new code. We still can't get in. Then we hear the clanging of the metal gate and more pounding on the front door. We go answer it and my boyfriend's dad is yelling again about needing the new code and he has a copy of our key in hand. He clearly was going to let himself back in. I lost it at this point and yelled, You can't just let yourself into our house. What the frick is wrong with you? He gave me more BS about needing to get the register working. I screamed, My ability to be safe in my own home is more important than your shop. He took particular offense at this, yelling back at me, So you see me as a threat? Am I a threat to you? I try explaining that I've had my home broken into before. His response, Not by me over and over then continues yelling about the shop i demand the emergency key back and after yelling a bit more he shoves it at me my boyfriend's had enough and yells at me to go back to the bedroom he'll handle it i do because at this point i'm on the edge of a panic attack through the closed bedroom door i hear more yelling and after a bit the door slams my boyfriend called his mum, saying that his dad needed to apologize and that this behavior was not acceptable 
she asked him what does he need to apologize for my boyfriend tells her what happened and she is mortified i then get this text from her at 908 a.m I'm sorry to have bothered you so much today and i'm sorry my husband made such a scene I haven't responded. This man clearly doesn't understand boundaries He doesn't think he needs to be held accountable for anything and felt entitled to just barge into our house And demand his son fix a tech issue and for the record. Yes I do in fact see him as a threat now both of my boyfriend's parents know about my severe ptsd We know he won't apologize because he genuinely doesn't see a problem with his behavior. It's time for some serious boundaries and a security system. Honestly, what is wrong with people like this? Emergency keys are emergency keys for a reason. If they're going to abuse it, even if they're your boyfriend's dad or parent, I don't care. If they're going to abuse it, change the locks. Simple as that. Well, you got the key back, which is one step. But hey, who knows? They might have made another copy. They're so weird. Like, why is this such a pressing issue as well? Honestly, weird, weird parents. I mean, he literally did break and enter and that surely is illegal. So if you want to press charges, go ahead. Maybe it's a bit petty, but wow, it's an option. Smug Karen takes my car keys because I can't possibly be the owner. Earns herself a ride in the backseat of one of our county's finest. This is just a throwaway because I don't care to stick around for long. But this incident was so stupid that I can't really help but share the story since my friends keep telling me to. What I find most weird about this is that my car wasn't anything super special. It was just a yellow 09 V6 Chevy Camaro with black stripes. When I bought it, it was super cheap because the passenger side door had been smashed in somehow and there was already 130,000 miles on the odometer. But the title was still good somehow. No idea why, nor do I really care. It was sold to me via a proxy. All I know was the car looked like a good deal, so I bought it. A friend of mine who works in auto body fixed it for me. He said that most of the damage was to the door itself, and I just needed a new door after he made a few tweaks to make sure everything was straight. Together, we managed to find a door at a salvage yard that was the same color. A little work, and the car looked almost new, and it became my fun ride to commute to work or drive around when I didn't feel like using my other car. I didn't do any modifications to it. I'm not one of those guys that's into speed or crazy mods. I liked the car because it looked cool and the gas mileage wasn't so bad with the V6. In fact, I wanted a V6 Camaro because I heard that they're usually in better condition than ones with a V8 because people drive the V6 more for looks than power and don't gas it as much. I drove that Camaro for a year before running into a random Karen at a supermarket last year in September. Those places tend to draw Karens in regularly, especially in the state I live in. I've seen many Karens, but I was lucky enough to hardly ever be noticed by them. I was shopping for some stuff to make dinner and was about to head home when I found the Karen with her young son all over my car after exiting the store. I'm guessing the boy was around four years old and his mother was taking pictures of the kid sitting on my hood while the kid kept smiling and gleefully saying, Bumblebee. Yes, I understand the reference and I've heard it all before, but I don't like people messing with my property, so I told the kid to get off. The Karen took one look at me and told me to mind my own business. Now, I'm a 29-year-old man, but I do have a bit of a baby face, and my casual clothing made me look like a teenager. So, I guess to her, I couldn't possibly be someone who'd have anything to do with such a nice car that's actually a pretty common car. I told the Karen to get off my Camaro, and she bluntly told me there was no way it was my car because I'm too young. I pulled out my keys and hit the alarm button on the remote. That made the alarm start blaring for a second and her kid jumped off while screaming and crying because i'd frightened him but rather than pay attention to her crying child the karen came running at me full speed and managed to shove me hard enough that i fell over 
The next part is a bit hazy. I got a bump on the head and that crazy idiot slurred every word she was screaming at me. She stepped on my arm and pulled the keys from my hand before I really had a chance to react, though she didn't really hurt me much. She wasn't a big woman, only around five foot two or so and a twig, while I'm six foot and over 170 pounds. When I got to my feet, she was comforting her crying kid and telling him that I was a mean person. I told her to return my keys, but she got hissy and said there was no way the Kamara was mine. I again stated it was, and I'd only give her one more chance to return my keys. She didn't. Instead, she handed them to her kid, who proceeded to start playing with the buttons on the remote and unlock the doors. I had enough and got my phone out to call the police. When the Karen saw I was on my phone, she started screaming and charging at me again, though this time I easily dodged her and she nearly fell on the asphalt and screamed that I'd assaulted her. I never even touched her and I said as much out loud. The 911 operator was listening to everything that was going on and I quickly told her where we were while this insane woman was still screaming at me and two police cars showed up before long. At this point, the Karen had locked herself in my car with her son and started the engine to run the AC. I explained everything to the police and they knocked on the window of my Camaro to get the Karen to open it and give them her side of the story. She claimed the car to be hers and that I was just some stupid broke teenager that tried to carjack her, then bragged that she'd taken me down. The officer asked if that meant she'd shoved me over, to which she bluntly said yes. I told the police to look in my glove compartment. In there, of course, was my insurance card and a copy of my registration, and they could compare the name on my license. When the Karen heard that, she got out of the car and finally admitted it wasn't hers. But she then said there was no way it could be mine, and that she just took the keys from me to find the real owner. That quickly earned her some shiny new bracelets, and she was put screaming into the back of a police car. The parking lot had cameras, so proving assault was easy. Though I only really got scratches, a bruise on my arm where she stepped on it, and a small bump on the head. After the Karen was taken back to the station, they found she was high on drugs, which explains why she was so nuts. I, of course, pressed charges. Though my testimony wasn't really needed since the police had both CCTV from the parking lot and the audio from my phone call. And it turned out to be the Karen's third offense, and she got two years in prison. Oh, and her kid was taken from her. The whole incident made me rethink owning the Camaro because it had been a magnet for people that bothered me a lot. So I sold it. I basically got back everything I had into it anyway, so I broke even. I doubt I'll want to own another sports car again. You know, this is something that I'm surprised I don't see more of on this subreddit. Karens or entitled people that are just on drugs. Because that is the only way often that I can understand some of their behavior. Now, Opie has said in the comments in a little edit underneath this post that he found out she was high and found out that her kid was taken away from her due to the court. Just because he didn't have to testify doesn't mean he wasn't there in his own words. So yeah, I guess it all adds up. Um, Mental that you'd even think about being on drugs when your kid is nearby, but maybe she's addicted. I don't know. Ultimately, it's just really sad, isn't it? Entitled parent and child try to make my high school paint over a student's memorial. Okay, so a bit of context for this story. At the start of each school year, my high school's new seniors get assigned a parking space for the rest of the year. Once you're assigned your spots, it's a fun rite of passage to paint it, which the school provides the paint for and gives a day of class for all seniors to go and paint. This tradition has been going on for four years now. Three years ago, a senior student in my school was killed in a car crash along with her younger brother and mum. Her painted car park reads, This is Jane's car park, the best girl in the world, back off. 
and has tons of gorgeous flowers painted on it. After she passed away, all of the seniors from her year wrote beautiful messages to her on her car park in Sharpie. Since then, whoever was assigned her spot has never painted over it. It's an unspoken rule that if you get her park, you simply go and help someone else paint theirs for the day. This story takes place at the start of the year around March, which is when Australian students start their school year. In the first week of school, the rest of the senior cohort and I received our car park allocations. I was given the park two spots down from Jane's, which is how I know what went down. So it was car park painting day. All the seniors headed down to the school's park and went about finding our spots, which have little numbers in front of them, like A1, A2, etc. I find mine pretty quickly and go about sketching out my design in chalk. A few minutes later, I hear someone swearing beside me. I look up and see Liam standing over Jane's spot, complaining loudly about having to park in the dead girl spot and that he was going to be cursed. I roll my eyes but ignore him and he leaves. Until a few minutes later when he comes back with paint. Now, I actually knew Jane for the first two years of high school as she was in my role marking class. So there was no way I was gonna let someone paint over her memorial. I stand up and walk over to Liam, who's struggling to get the lid off of the paint tin. I figure that maybe he just isn't aware of the unspoken rule. So I stand in Jane's park and gesture to his paint tin. Nah, we don't paint over Jane's spot, I say. It's just kind of an unwritten rule out of respect. But Liam looks up at me and scoffs dismissively. Nah, he says. I was assigned this spot to paint, so I'm gonna paint it. It's been ages since she died. The boy on the other side of him looks over and shakes his head and says, don't paint it, dude. That's messed up. But Liam ignores him and continues trying to get the lid off the paint. A lot of people are listening in now and the girl in the spot behind him goes and fetches a teacher. The teacher takes Liam aside and tells him that he isn't allowed to paint over Jane's memorial and that he can be reassigned to the one remaining parking spots. Liam refuses, saying that the available spot is at a really awkward angle to park in. It isn't and he wants Jane's. The teacher says okay, but no painting. Liam comes back and sits on the side of the park, grumbling. I considered offering him my spot as I'm terrible at painting anyway, but I decided he didn't deserve it. Cut to two days after the incident. I get to school early as I'm doing volunteer hours in the uniform shop. As I'm folding, I overhear two admin staff talking about the crazy lady that barged her way into the principal's office yesterday morning. It turns out that Liam's mum came all the way down to school just to chew out the principal for not letting her son paint his park and that they have another meeting scheduled for the next day. Wow, crazy I think, but I don't pay it too much mind. Two days later, I'm called into the principal's office in the first period. I walk in and I see the principal at his desk. But Liam, his entitled mother, and the boy who told Liam not to paint the park are also all in the room. The principal greets me and I stand somewhat awkwardly by the door as there are no remaining seats. Opie and Jake, the principal gestures to me and the boy. We're here today to talk about the events on Monday. Liam and his mum are saying that you two tried to get physical with him when he wanted to paint his park. Jake and I look at each other and both give an awkward half laugh. Sir, he starts. We didn't go anywhere. I know what you two did. The entitled mother cuts him off. We all look at her in surprise. The principal says, if you could just let Jake finish his sentence. Are you trying to tell me you don't believe my son? Of course they're going to say they didn't do it. It's two against one. She squawks. There were lots of other students that day who I'm sure. No, they all hate my boy. It's because of his race. They single him out. Now, something really important to note here is that Liam is white i am white the principal is white his mum is white 
Now, Jake is black, but this is a predominantly white school. We all sit there in silence. The entitled mum huffing and puffing while Liam has gone very red. The principal pauses, then tells Jake to finish recounting his story. Jake explains what happened, and I back him up. The mother makes snide comments throughout, but we all ignore her. The principal thanks us and tells us we can go, despite the entitled mum's protests, and that he'll be asking the teacher on duty what happened. Now, I wish I could update on what happened afterwards, but neither Jake or I really know. We were never called back into the office, and Jane's parking spot remains the same. Liam now uses the spot that he previously declined, but interestingly, he never chose to paint it. Jake and I talked about it a few weeks after being called into the office, and he said that the school called his parents to inform them about the meeting, but the school never reached out to mine. Some good did come of this though. Jake and I started talking, and he asked me to be his date to our formal in a few weeks. I said yes. First of all, before we even get into how entitled this mum and her son are, that's a really cool tradition and I love that it's still ongoing even to this day. I mean, the painting of the parking spots alone is a fantastic idea and the fact that you've left Jane's Park as it was, lovely touch. Now we get onto this kid. Brain cells, my brother. Where, where have they gone? And then we get on to his mum, who's uh, even worse. I mean, mental. A little bit of understanding and, and just compassion would be great for a girl, a student, that's died. I'll never understand entitled people. You're confusing my kids. I was wearing pants. I am a 24-year-old woman, and I live in the part of Ontario, Canada, with a heavy Mennonite population. If you don't know what Mennonite is, think a mild version of Amish. Some will dress very modestly, causing visitors from outside Ontario to mistake them for Amish type A. Others will dress more modern, but still remain modest. No shoulder showing and women wore pants type B. I am not Mennonite at all, outside of my legal middle name after my mum's best friend, who was type B Mennonite. I live downtown at the heart of Mennonite Central, so I will occasionally go to the restaurants that are there. Mennonite food is much better than a lot of the stuff served at the grocery store or a regular chain restaurant. One day, when I was 22, while waiting for my food as I was on my way somewhere, I was scrolling my phone looking at memes. Suddenly, a type A Mennonite approached me. Excuse me, miss? I put my phone in my pocket and looked over. Sorry, am I in your way? No, you need to go and change into something more appropriate. I was confused. Do I have a hole in my pants? I should buy new pants. That's the problem. You're wearing pants. Now I'm even more confused. Sorry? You're confusing my kids. They thought you were a boy who refused to cut his hair. I look at my hair. I am due for a haircut, but so what does my hair have to do with your complaint? Your outfit is confusing my kids. They're gonna think it's okay for girls to wear pants. Now I'm getting annoyed. Look, I'm not Mennonite. That's all you need to know. More and more girls in this town are wearing pants and shorts. I don't even own a dress. Now, if you don't mind, I need to eat this and get to where I need to go before this gets ugly. My order gets called and I grab my food. I go to leave when the woman grabs me. Your parents should be ashamed of you for leaving the church. I hope they shunned you. My parents aren't Mennonite either. Now, let me go, please. Not until you... Her husband thankfully pulls her off me. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. Have a good day, miss. Thanks. You too. I left the restaurant and ate my food. I know this isn't very climactic, but I only remembered this story when I showed up the other day to get a sandwich from them. It makes me wonder if they were new to the area or they don't go into town often. 
Once again, I feel like I say this with a lot of entitled parent stories that I see on this subreddit that are based on religion. It's okay to be religious and, and follow whatever sort of religion you want to do. It's your choice and that's absolutely fine. But the problems start to arise when you start pushing your religion onto other people that have nothing to do with it and want nothing to do with it. That is too far. As we saw here, OP is not a Mennonite, therefore they can wear what they want. That should be obvious. Apparently it's not. Parents prefer incest over me being happy. I am a 21-year-old man, and I've been in a surprisingly successful relationship for the past year and a half, ever since I moved to Europe to start my studies. I honestly didn't think I'd hold it together this long, but hey, the girl actually likes me. Shocker. She's honestly perfect. Spiritually, she is a neckbeard, and I love her for it. My parents, though, not so much. Not because of her personality. They don't care about little things like that. She's European, and that's the problem. My parents belong to a minority in the Middle East. We believe in a lot of things, but the kicker is that if you marry outside your faith, you get excommunicated. Disowned, not allowed back in the village, the whole Shazam. And since there's so few of us, privileges are handed out so that finding the love of your life would still be possible. Dude down the street, odd a child, it's fine. We'll just introduce my daughter to him. I'm sure he's a good man. Son fell in love with your niece. Ah, oh, it's fine. Maz of the heart are complicated. Your daughter fell in love with an Englishman after eight years of living in England? Burn her at the stake. I feel like my mum genuinely thought that I was going to move back home to the village and meet someone there, like she and her siblings did. But surprise, surprise, I wasn't a fan of it, especially since her siblings consist of her sister, who married a man 20 years younger than her, her brother, who married his cousin, and her other brother, who's on his third marriage with a woman who can only be described as a vanilla-flavored biscuit. Ever since I got into a relationship, my parents have been relatively supportive. I feel like my mum was just glad I'm not gay, since I wasn't like the other boys in high school. And my dad, in true dad fashion, was just happy I was getting some. One and a half years later, they started showing their concern. My dad regularly sits me down for talks about our heritage, and my mom regularly jokes about setting me up with a future bride. Whenever I bring up something remotely serious about my girlfriend, they get visibly upset. I'm in a position right now where I possibly have to move cities. The fact that I want to stay where I am because I'm not exactly enthusiastic about leaving my girlfriend and the life I've built here caused them to short circuit. All of a sudden, my poor academic performance wasn't due to my many mental health problems or COVID or just my lack of interest in the subject. It was the witch, the witch who seduced me and led me astray because their golden boy is definitely incapable of making poor decisions himself. So yeah, it got to a point where they're trying their hardest to force me to move cities just to get away from my girlfriend. They're arguing about it every phone call now. And if I just give it time, they're gonna add the financial pressure on top of that. That's fun. I just really hope they mellow out soon. If not for me, for my siblings sakes. I'm the oldest, so I get the brunt of the generational friction, but I only hope it gets better when they get older. Okay, let me get this straight. Your parents are literally advocating an ingrown family tree. That is very normal, first of all. Second of all, biologically, that can't be good. And thirdly, just don't talk to them again and do what makes you happy. I mean, I would have thought that most parents have their children's happiness in their interest, but clearly not. Again, very strange. I get that it's a a cultural thing, but... To this extent, incest? Nah. Entitled lady tries to challenge a semi with her vehicle. I always thought that a lot of these entitled people's stories in this thread are false and made up. Today, I was proven wrong. Entitled people do exist. So I drive a semi for a living, delivering pallets of merchandise to local stores. 
Local roads aren't easy to maneuver with 18 wheelers, so oftentimes I took up a lot of space whenever I tried to make a turn. Most drivers are nice and understanding though. They usually move out of the way or back up to give me some room without hesitation, and some even drove out of their corner street parking spot and parked in another spot just so I could use their space to make a tight turn. Lots of nice drivers. However, today I met the rare unsung hero that made this story possible. This morning, I was driving on a single lane, two-way road, and I needed to make a right turn at the end of the street so I could make my first delivery, which is a couple yards away from the T-junction. The T-junction has a stop sign only for my lane, so it's quite a dangerous turn since the incoming traffic doesn't need to stop. The street I'm turning into is a double lane, two-way road, but there's a construction at the corner of the road, occupying the right lane. That means I have to swing wide, taking up the left lane of the other way so I don't cause an accident in the construction zone. So, as soon as I saw that both ways were clear, I made the turn carefully. Some vehicles came last minute from the other way, but they saw the construction and understood, and all of them moved to their right lane, giving me space. All but one. This lady came up from the other way to the front of my truck before I finished making the turn, forcing me to perform sudden braking, which she does as well. Then she was pressing hard on her horn. She then started yelling something that I couldn't understand, mostly because she was still honking, but also because our windows are rolled up. She's inching closer to my truck that's at a standstill while gesturing me to move out of the way. Her turn signal is on, indicating that she's about to turn left. I just gestured to her as well, shrugging my shoulders, making sure she knows, like, what am I supposed to do? I can't back up. There's another truck behind me waiting for me to finish my turn. If I back up, I'll hit the truck with my trailer tail. Mind you, it only takes me a few seconds to complete the turn and there are no cars behind her because apparently other drivers understood to at least give a truck some space to finish a turn, especially when the roads are tight. I also saw some vehicles turning behind me from their right lane, so there's no excuse that this Karen of a driver can't do the same. By now, she was honking probably for a full minute, refusing to reverse. This caught the attention of the construction workers. Also, this causes a traffic jam from the left side of the T-junction and also behind me. People were furious, but she wouldn't move. One of the construction workers told the lady to just move back and give me some room to finish my turn, but she wouldn't budge. She just yelled something at him while still pressing on her horn. After a while, I had enough of her. I released my brakes and I started to inch closer towards her. I had no intention of causing any damage. I just hoped that she'd get scared by my threat and move backwards. What do you know? It worked. Her eyes widened. She panicked for a bit, switched her gear shift to reverse and started moving backwards. I didn't give her any room to move forward again. I just kept inching forward while she was moving backwards until I saw that my trailer was safe to finish the turn. Then I'm back to my own lane. Karen gave me a death glare, but I did the same to her. I also stick my tongue out to her because why not? Then the most hilarious thing happens. From my side mirror, I saw the construction workers clapping and cheering for me. Also, the truck behind me also made their turn, giving Karen no space to move forward again. Then the vehicles on the left side of the T-junction just kept going, not letting Karen make her turn. It was glorious. I made it to my delivery about five minutes late, but it was totally worth it. So this woman was literally playing chicken with a semi. Uh, How stupid do you have to be? Even if you're the one in the right in this situation, you just get out the way. What are you gonna do in your car? Even if you've got like an SUV or something, you're up against a semi. 
What? I mean, the best part about the story, as you said at the end, is the fact that everyone involved in this incident or just watching on, including the construction workers, knew that you were in the right. But this woman, oh God, just what a disgrace to humanity. And there we go, guys. That is going to do it for this special Entitled Parents compilation. Really hope you enjoyed it. As I said last week, I want to do one of these every single week and just let you guys put it on in the background, chill out, do whatever you do, game, clean, I don't know, sleep whatever you want chuck it on listen to it in the background uh, that's what i would do with this anyway hope you enjoyed if you do want more it's on the screen right now my one from last week another three hours of great entitled parent stories in that one and i'll see you tomorrow for a brand new reddit episode hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style